Welcome to a very special episode of The Brink as we come together today as a collective audience apparently to celebrate the event that is 2,000 episodes of radio and podcasting hosted by myself. Ben Waterworth. This is a bit of a fun little episode that I wanted to put together in order to just bring some highlights that I've happened to have over my career in both radio and podcasting to bring you some of uh, my favourite interviews and some, and some moments that I really enjoyed over the years. Bit of a pet project, I guess, that you, the listener, can have some fun enjoying these over the years. Now, uh, obviously, given that we're celebrating 2,000 episodes that I've hosted, Clearly, you can tell that I have hosted more than 2,000 episodes now of uh, both radio and podcasting, and uh, a lot of shows over the years, a variety of shows. I first got my start in 2004 as a 17-year-old plucked from a journalism class at Elizabeth College in Hobart, Tasmania, and from that moment on, uh, the rest is history. I guess you could say, still going along, still trying to make it strong, and I still hope at least entertaining one person out there who might have found this episode, or at least clicked on a link on Facebook because they felt guilty that no one else was clicking on that link on Facebook. The um, the, the, the days that started at EC, uh, Elizabeth College, back when we were EC schoolies, from that point on, uh, essentially uh, created a, a show called Jab Schoolies. Now, to kind of, I guess, long story short, in journalism class, we were allocated an hour slot each week. Uh, each college around Hobart was allocated that slot. And Elizabeth College's slot was a Friday afternoon between uh, 4 and 5 p.m. And basically, you would get into a group of three and you would alternate. You'd have a three-week slot for each group of three. And each week, each host got to host. Uh, each person got to host at least once and the other two were the guests. Now, from that point, uh, myself and Peter, Peter Wallhead, who did eventually join uh, The Brink to become a co-host at one point in our history, he and I were offered uh, a slot outside of the, the EC slot so that we could, uh, I guess, tune our craft. And I, essentially, the manager at the time liked how we sounded. And he's the only person really, let's be honest, in the history of me being on radio, who's liked how I sounded. So we hosted the the gaps, we hosted the school holidays and just other shows and that. And from there, uh, just kept continuing. And Jab Schoolies uh, was called Jab Schoolies because at the time it was myself, Josh uh, Shoebridge and Anthony Moran, two people who you will uh, hear they were part of our history of the brink over the years. And we just used our initials, Jab Schoolies. At one point, Josh left. We replaced him with Joe, so we kept Jab. That's a very, very short history of how that became Jab Schoolies before it eventually became The Brink. We'll get to that in a minute. I want to play a snippet right now from pretty much one of the only older shows I actually have on file. Didn't really record a lot of these back in the day, but this is an actual snippet. This is an actual clip from Elizabeth College Schoolies that I was hosting, and I believe at the time I was hosting not with Anthony, not with Josh, but another student, a friend of mine called Ben Clark, and we had a guest on the show, Lucy McCrossan, sister of future co-host of The Brink, Samuel McCrossan. This is very Tasmanian, all right? We all know each other. So before I get into some nitty-gritty or some other highlights over the years, just at least want to play you a bit of a clip from the very early days. This is 17-year-old me on radio back in 2004. Just see if you don't cringe as much as I will by playing this for you right now. Good afternoon, Hobart. You're tuned into the Schoolies Hour here with Elizabeth College, and we were just chilling away to an open letter to New York City by the Beastie Boys, and before that we had Tender Feelings by Tim Burr. I hope I pronounced that correctly, and they're a Tassie band, so that's good to hear from them. 
Well, my name is Ben here for the Schoolies Hour. I'm filling in for Krause and Stephen, who are not here today. Obviously, that's why I'm here. And joining me today is another Ben, the more attractive Ben, I must have to admit. Ben, how are you today? Good, thanks, Ben. And speaking of attractive, we have the ever-beautiful and radiant Lucy joining us today. She's our special guest. How are you today, Lucy? I'm good, thanks, Ben. Now that I've seen Ricky Ponting in today's paper. Yes, Ricky Ponting. Well, we can discuss... Your love affair with the captain of Australian cricket later on today? Yes, we can. But first, we're going to go to another song. Here is Volcano by Damien Rice O. But we're going to hear from us. I apologise. Sorry, listeners. (laughs) Bit of a mistake there. We're actually going to listen to Everyone Gets Crushed by Superchunk. So let's listen to this first. The most cringeworthy part about that is that I hope I've improved in uh, 13 years that is hard to listen to now uh to see i still make mistakes uh all these years later jab schoolies as i mentioned before we became the brink uh you know i told you that i'm making mistakes now so i haven't improved this should be edited out i could have edited this out but i'm not doing it i like to keep it raw that's what she said and still i'm telling shit jokes uh this is a clip from jab schoolies now from memory serves me correct this is about 2005 and uh, anthony our then one of our co-hosts obviously uh incidentally he came up with the name of the brink i'll get to that story soon uh this was a we it was his birthday so we kind of did a this is your lifestyle show we got some of our friends in and just played up to a little bit again this is um still very early days uh, and the quality obviously not the best i think this was transferred from a cassette remember those kids probably not uh so let's uh hear just jab schoolies 2005 get get the cringe going here people need a message to 0427 and it will be read out on air but right now let's cross to the edge radio this is your last studios for a very special tribute to anthony moran and i think we need some music to accompany this so if i just clap my hands hopefully we'll have some magic music being played um let's try it oh look at that brilliant anthony welcome. yes hello welcome how are you today oh Pretty good, I reckon. We're here to celebrate the life, and let, let's start, shall we? Anthony Joel Stewart Moran was born on the 1st of September to the parents Maria and Simon. Anthony's first few years of you know the first few years of your life were very uneventful. You uh, grew up like most children do yes. in rural Iceland. Uh, you spent your days um, picking grass and cleaning up after your pet cow. Mm. Now, Anthony, obviously not many memories of this time, but, you know, what do you have of these memories? Well, I mean, picking up things from the cows, the droppings of the cows in the grasses and picking the grass is very common in back in the, in the rural area where I grew up. Um, not much actually happened, so no, no, nothing can be said of that. Obviously. Okay, well, now, when you were 11 years old, you... Um, you know, at school, you met uh, Gertrude, uh, no last name, unfortunately, but mm. she had a big impact on your life. And with yes, this, you uh, moved to the uh, to Holland, where you uh, mm. took up your field that would get you through most of your life of journalism, yeah. which, of course, you're here right now. And I'm not hearing any music. I'm, I think I'm lost. Joe, is I there a problem? just a miraculous wave of music wafting through the studio. Well, I'd really love some know. more if we can uh, get some magic happening again. Hang on. 
Does that work? No, it doesn't. I don't think it's working. Okay, we're going to continue on. Okay, we're going to, you know. And um, Gertrude and you in Holland, you know, you spent the first five years of your life Mm -hmm. in journalism school. And then it was in 1939, the outbreak of World War II, that Mm -hmm. really showed your skills. Mm -hmm. Where um, Now, Anthony, this must have been, you know, Europe going through the war. Very devastating for you. It was very, very devastating. What was your role in the, when the outbreak of the war happened? What were you doing as a young'un? Due to my skills as a journalist, I became a war correspondent for the Hungarian Journal, um, which was very, which was the most read newspaper of that time. So being so. in Holland, working for the Hungarian oh, Journal, that's been very. Holland. Oh, no, Anthony, am I right in thinking you knew Eva, um, the who was a very famous secretary and journalist at the time of the Second World War? Yes, Eva and I were good friends. We actually met at journalism school. I'm going to be absolutely honest with you and say that I have not listened to that in probably 10 years, and that is scary. That is, um, that is shit. <laughs> I don't know what the hell we were doing back then. And, uh, wow, Joe, that, that that's a blast from the past. This is honestly, I'm the one creating this. And you would think that I would have some sort of preparation involved in this and maybe I'd go back and listen to these and choose the bits. But I'm, I'm, I swear, honest to, honest to anything, that I have not listened to that in that long and I'm just listening to that before I'm playing it for you. So this kind of almost is like a, this is your life right now for me, just playing that. 2006, The Brink was born. There was about a six-month grace period, I believe, uh, after Jab Schoolies until The Brink came about. And uh, essentially, Anthony uh, and myself, Joe, wasn't involved anymore. We became uh, co-hosts at that point. And uh, we had a Monday lunchtime show we had. And we wanted to obviously diversify it from schoolies. We were no longer college students. We were both at university. So we wanted to, you know, move on, grow up. And we tried to come up with a name. Uh, coming up with a radio show name, not the easiest thing in the world. Perhaps if you've got a great skill out there of coming up with random names out of your ass, become a radio host because you might need that. And essentially how it came about, Anthony typed in the word edge into a thesaurus. And what came up? Brink. The Brink. That is how, if you never knew how The Brink was uh, was born, that is literally how The Brink was born. So, Monday afternoons, uh, 12 to 2 o'clock, I believe from memory, we had a lunchtime show. And from there, uh, for the remainder of 2006 and the early parts of 2007, we stayed on a lunchtime show. And then 2007, the management at Edge Radio thought, maybe you guys are okay, how about we give you a breakfast slot? Okay, awesome. So from there, we were a Friday morning only breakfast show. Uh, 2008, we added a Thursday morning to that as well. So we were Thursday and Friday mornings for 2008. Anthony left at the end of 2007. Josh came back into the frame. Welcome back, Josh. And for the next two years, we it was Josh and myself. We went back to a one-week show episode, uh, Fridays only in 2009. And from that point on, uh, Josh left, went on his Mormon mission. I'm just giving you a really quick detailed history of how the brink came along, basically. 2,000 episodes here. I've got to explain these people. Uh, so in 2010, Anthony returned. We welcomed uh, Matt Stevenson. It was currently running for parliament at that point, but still became a co-host. And we just maintained our Friday slot. So essentially, that's kind of where that came about. And for the for the remaining years, we, we stayed steady on a Friday morning slot. It wasn't really until... Uh, I believe 2014 that we were offered a Monday and a Friday. And uh, then really for the end of 2014 and for all of 2015, we took over the airways on edge. We were a five-day-a-week breakfast show and uh, a lot of fun. 
A lot of fun. I have very good memories of hosting it five days a week. A lot of work, a lot of effort, and of course, I'm not getting paid for this, so it was a lot of fun to do all that. Throughout those years as well, co-hosts came and went uh, between 2010 and 2015. Uh, ultimately, when we ended, uh, of course, at the beginning of 2015. I should mention, actually, it was 2014 we were on every day. We ended in 2015. I'm old now. I'm 30, okay? On my memory goes. So it was 2014 we were on each day of the week. Again, should edit this out. I'm just waffling. Um, plenty of co-hosts over the years. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to mention them all because, again, we're trying to get to clips. You're wanting to hear new, the classic memories, not me talking about this shit. So it came, you know, people like Kelly were on board, Kelly Trevkovsky. I can still pronounce the name correctly, apparently. Uh, Peter Wallhead, as I mentioned before. Sam, Samuel McCrossan came on board and still to this day is involved uh, with, with the show, as is Josh, of course, as you would have heard him. People like Tali came on board, Tali Olatea. Uh, we also had Kevin Brown come in there, Stuart Lipscomb. Uh, there, Lauren Ward, great, great friend of ours that became there. Dakota, you love Dakota, young Dakota Leary, the perennial 15-year-old. He was our, our co-host there for a, an extended period of time. And uh, we also had Marcus Dent Johnson as well. I'm just trying to... I hope I've named them all. If I've forgotten any of your co-hosts and you're listening, I apologise. It's not, not intentional. But, basically, my point with all of this, I'm waffling on. How the fuck did I get to 2000? Many, many memories over the years uh, through all the people that I've, I've been lucky enough to interview you, uh, as well as, you know, celebrities and just people across the years that I've managed to speak to. So I want to play some clips of some of the people that I have had the honour of talking to. And this isn't necessarily um, in order of my favourites or my preferences. A lot of these really just come about because, I mean, they were big names. They they were big name people and uh, people, I guess, that uh, I have very strong memories from uh, listening to. So you're going to hear some names here that are really going to excite you and bring back some memories. Uh, basically, uh, first one we're going to play for you in just a moment. Before I actually play it, I want to play the Brink intro this is the this is the last intro that we played in 2015 now you obviously know you hear the brink intro at the beginning of this podcast but this if you've never heard i guess the classic intro that we played on a morning this is how it actually went so this is the the last version of the brink change a lot over the years but this is the the main theme that came with it with a bit of talking over the top our classic person that hosted it trevor this is uh, him introducing, and this is how you would tune into the brink every single morning. Morning has broken like the first morning. Live from Hobart, the greatest city in the world, it's time to open your eyes, wake up your pet cat, and recite the alphabet in Finnish, as the radio airways are about to explode with the greatest audio sound since Nicky Webster's greatest hits. 
Go ask your mum for a carrot. Explain to the neighbour why you're naked and turn a selfie into a hashtag. As your morning just became full of the most freakaliciously brinkin' hot action happening anywhere right now. It's The Brink, live on Edge Radio. Over to the studio. Ah, thank you very much, Trevor. Good morning, Hobart. Just getting a bit excited, getting those memories back. Wow, that's, uh... Haven't heard that in a couple of years either. There you go. That's how you used to wake up to the brink every morning. And I used to talk shit up. I'm like, hey, how you going? It's the brink. Let's get excited. That's just a teaser. If you never listened to that before, there you go. But what we're going to do now is uh, we are going to play maybe the biggest name we ever, ever got on the brink. I can officially say I interviewed the future king of England, Prince Charles. Everyone knows who Prince Charles is. Chucky, he's going to be king. One day. 2012, he visited Hobart, did a walkthrough through Salamanca, and me being me, I thought, well, look, why not? I could have this opportunity. What's the worst case that could happen? I might get thrown in jail. Took a microphone down to Salamanca, stood in a crowd. He walked up to me. I shook his hand. I press record. This is what happened. Charles, are you enjoying Hobart? You enjoying Hobart? Thank you, sir. It's a blessing. It is. Thank you, Charles. Do you, do you listen to this radio station? It's radio, right here. It's it's there you go. Sixteen seconds of my life that I spoke to a guy that will lead a lot of the world. So there you go. That was uh, that was my memory. Another big name, and again, not necessarily just picking these because of big names. A lot of memories behind these, and I guess these are some of my personal favourites. Willem Dafoe, uh, the great Willem Dafoe, Hollywood superstar, Academy Award, two-time Academy Award nominee, if you don't mind. Uh, very well known. Diverse in the roles. He's one of those guys where you're like, oh, he's in everything. Uh, he came to Hobart uh, early, I think, 2011, I think, from memory it was. He was in a movie that was filmed in here uh, called The Hunter about hunting for a Tasmanian tiger. Came to the world premiere of The Hunter at the State Cinema in Hobart. I was lucky enough to stand on the red carpet where I was lucky enough to stand in front of the great Willem Dafoe and ask him a few questions. Uh, this is my interview I had with Willem Dafoe. How's his reception tonight so far here in Hobart? Really, people are very sweet. You know, that was my experience when we were here shooting. Um, and, you know, it's funny. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I'm a guest, so you expect me to be polite, but it's beyond that. It, I really uh, hope that's a special place. And what was it like working with Sam Neill and Francis O'Connor? Great great uh they're they're both great and the kids in the film are great too uh sam i knew because i had worked with him two times before and he's really a great man and a great actor and he's a lot of fun to be around what do you think about a sequel one day if the tassie devil ever gets extinct you might be able to come back and look for one of them i don't think this movie is a sequel movie you know but let's let's enjoy what it is huh i can't even ask hollywood superstar stupid questions so don't worry about that one and there still hasn't been a sequel to the uh hunter a real personal favorite for mine this was a big deal for me personally my favourite band is Garbage. The lead singer of Garbage is Shirley Manson. And I had a mantra. I had a, had a theory. If you want to get them on the show, just ask. There's, what are they going to do? Say no. Ignore your email. Simple. Did that with uh, Shirley Manson. And uh, we got lucky enough that she agreed to do an interview. And uh, lots of great parts in that interview. We've actually recently just uh, put that up on Double Oz 7 that you can relive that and one of our sister shows that you'll hear about in this episode. But I'll just play a bit of a snippet for you. This is my chat with the lead singer of Garbage, Shirley Mann. Glasgow, next year, have the Commonwealth Games. I know you're from Edinburgh, Shirley, but uh, what, would the, what would it be like to get asked to maybe perform at a Commonwealth Games opening or, or closing ceremony on such a, a world scale like that? Um, you know, I haven't even thought about something like that. I, I feel like it's very dangerous as an artist to sort of eye 
these these kind of you know I don't know opportunities for lack of a better word. You know, I think it's just best to focus on on what you do, and you know, um, every now and again you get a nice surprise and get invited to do something incredible. But you know, I certainly don't imagine. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to play? Um, you know, the royal wedding. You know, I don't think like that. It's, just, it's too dangerous. That, 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 that would have, that would have been interesting to see garbage play at the royal wedding. That would have made a bit of spice for it. No, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm waiting for the call now, maybe for the new baby to uh, to get you there to serenade. Yeah, for the christening. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm sure that I'll be there first on the on yeah, the list. Don't doubt it. You've heard it first here on the brink. She has such a wicked laugh. I remember that very vividly. And um, yeah, she didn't actually get to perform at the christening or the Commonwealth Games, sadly. But again, one of my very personal favourites. And I and I will say, I, I I created these scrapbooks around kind of what I've done over these. I, I'm a weird person. Let's be honest but uh every now and then i would like hey cool i wonder if i can get an autograph you know i've done an interview with a person i'll shoot them off a poster give them some return postage send it back cool cool little memento did that you know i'm always gonna let the opportunity pass of course with interviewing shirley manson so i wrote off to the management in the uk i'm like hey can i post a uh, poster to you and get it sent back to me they basically long story short sent me a couple of cds signed by the entire band so uh very personal mementos that i have there from that and um very good memories as well good memories as well came from 2011 julia gillard was a prime minister of australia and we ran a campaign we wanted to see if we could get an interview with the prime minister of australia now i know that the prime minister has changed about 300 times in the last two years but this was still a pretty big deal for us particularly a little community radio station in plucky little old hobart we started a campaign called operation julia where we try to get social media to help us get an interview get the message out there to the prime minister we created these lovely little photos of julia and i bonding together over skydiving over having lunch might have been horseback riding one in there, not too sure. We even had International Julia Gillard Day, which we attempted to really put it out there. We got a phone call, we got an email, we got the interview, we got the Prime Minister of Australia, Julia Gillard, on the brink, and you know I'm going to play a snippet for you right now. Good morning, I was intending to skydive in, but got a little bit scared at the last moment, so I'm on the phone instead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, we can get you to skydive in at a later date. That would be a magnificent (laughs) entry. I'm sure sure you've seen the pictures of us skydiving together, Julia. I have seen the pictures of us skydiving together. I'm worried I look a little bit of a funny colour, but maybe I would if I was skydiving, look a bit green around the gills. (laughs) Well, look, you know, we'll try that out next time we have a chat then, and we'll see what colour you really do turn. How does that sound? <laughs> I think uh, very, very pale would probably be the answer. <laughs> I got to speak to the Prime Minister of Australia about possibly going skydiving. There you go. That can be uh, off the bucket list. It's funny, actually, we used to play a uh, very amount of sound effects in the studio. Of course, we have our famous five questions. If you didn't know them, we would ask plenty of questions about whether you folded or scrunched your toilet paper and what your favourite type of cheese, all the in-depth questions, clearly. And uh, when you ask the Prime Minister of Australia whether or not she folds or scrunches her toilet paper, this is the answer that she will give you. <laughs> I think some things the Prime Minister shouldn't talk about on the radio. Yeah, we used to play that a lot. It used to be funny. So, yeah, why not? Uh, James Blunt, uh, big singer, big, big singer, came to Hobart, performed a concert. Great. It was fantastic. Again, one of these ones we just put it out there. We said, hey, everyone, let's try and see if we can get an interview with James Blunt. Now, the connection here that came with this is that I'd actually made acquaintances with a a PR person from Warner Music uh, during another interview and kind of sort of one thing led to another and she was super nice 
got us an interview. We got to go backstage with James Blunt. And uh, it was it was quite interesting. We we got locked in a room with James Blunt for 15 minutes by ourselves. His manager wasn't there. He didn't have any security. Could have basically killed James Blunt if we had wanted to. Maybe we could have gotten some money and we could have had some offers. I wouldn't have done that either. I like James Blunt. But it was a fun interview, all, all the same. So, uh, of course, snippet, James Blunt, let's hear it. One thing I actually too saw, um, you edited your wiki page a couple of years ago to get people to believe that you were performing at the uh, Royal Wedding and kind of uh, went along with a little that... Have you ever kind of edited your wiki page uh, anymore to put some facts on there to kind of have some fun with it? Um, I constantly lie, um, <laughs> uh, be it in interviews, be it on Wikipedia, um, or in everyday life. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's, that's, for me, it makes these interviews fun. There's not a moment uh, in this interview that I've been telling the truth. Well, that's what I like to hear, and there's not one question that I've uh, gone into also trying to tell the truth to, James, so it's working out well. Now, well, what, here's, a, here's a big question for you. What has been your biggest achievement out of these things for you? Having the highest-selling album in the UK in the 2000s, receiving five Grammy nominations, or performing My Triangle with uh, Telly on Sesame Street? Without doubt, the duet with Telly Monster was, um, you know, was the peak of, of my um, career, um, at least, and, and, and I, I will retire a happy man um, in the process. It was quite a remarkable day, really, um, and I suppose the only embarrassment was that a puppet had a voice that was an octave lower than me. <laughs> How long does it take to uh, rework the lyrics into that? I mean, I, I'm guessing it wouldn't take that long. It was all Telly's creative input. Right. Okay. Good on you, Telly. Uh, I didn't realise that. Uh, now, also... Um, it seems to be that every time I watch an interview with you, people are talking about your Twitter. Now, very well known for your, for your tweets, of course. I'm even turning this interview about your uh, Twitter. When you first started uh, replying to people, did you expect kind of this reception? I mean, pretty much you've got this cult following now purely off your, uh, your tweets. No, I didn't expect it. I mean, I definitely... I remember reaching the moment where I thought, OK, you know, I'm... I'm uh I'm asked to be on Twitter by my record label. Um, I haven't really got much to say because, because you know, most people, it's just an opinion-based platform and people take, seem to take it really seriously. And, and what am I going to say? Just put pictures of my breakfast or say what I'm doing and I'm brushing my teeth now. All of that seems a bit mundane. And then I thought, you know what? I might as well just, um, yeah, um, take the piss out of myself um, and other people who should take Twitter that seriously. Um, and, and I find it a whole weird platform because, you know, if something is posted on Twitter, it makes the news nowadays. And why? It's just someone's opinion who, who didn't really have the courage probably to say it to someone's face. Um, and the reality is such a different world. And so tonight we've got a few thousand people turning out to a concert. And these guys bought albums and tickets and trains and hotels and they queued up outside to, to be here. The effort and energy they put in is in- incredible. And there are thousands of them. But the negative people on Twitter, they're just a, a small handful of them. They're probably in their room, on their shadow, in the shadows, on their own, alone, probably with their trousers around their ankles, <laughs> writing five nasty words. And yet I would seek to, to, to find that, you know, offensive and insulting and take it seriously instead of concentrating on the, on the few thousand people. And, and I think it's madness. One needs to learn to laugh at the guy with his trousers around his ankles who couldn't even bother to come to this venue and say he didn't like the music um, and laugh at myself for even considering taking it all seriously. Have you ever gone to write one and thought, that's a little bit too mean? Um, what I normally do actually is that because I know that if I tweet someone back and uh, and I know that you know however amusing I think I might have been um, or not as the case may be they might have a few hundred thousand people start abusing them because of you know followers of mine and and so I don't want to be part of a kind of negative cycle so often I might follow the person I've retweeted they'll follow me back because they've seen that and then I can send them a direct message and say look whatever happens this is all in good humour and good nature and if anyone gives you grief please don't take it seriously um, and you can say that we're following each other so 
we're friends. Well, look, I'm going to follow you uh, tonight so we can become friends, James, and I won't abuse you, I promise. Still actually does uh, banter back, basically, with his followers, so it's fun. It's actually a uh, super nice guy was James as well. So, uh, yeah, it was good memories. Now, look, I, I could sit here for 10 hours and go through some of my favourite interviews. I just wanted to play a few here and there as well. But uh, some other bits really enjoyed doing over the brink. And this, again, was I was a host of this show essentially for, for 11 years, from 2004 to 2015. Still obviously hosting it right now, technically. Uh, it's a podcast, so, hey, it's, it's separate, but we're still doing it. Um, we loved doing uh, ice hockey commentary. We were big supporters of ice hockey. I'm a huge fan of the sport. And given that we kind of try to get a little bit involved in covering bits here and there. We actually started doing some grand finals, but then for the 2014 season, we actually commentated every single game. Uh, I was lucky enough to be awarded the most valuable non-player award of the season, an award I shared with uh, photographer Paul Casey. And I also was presented with a personalised jersey thanking me for covering the entire season. It's one of my most prized possessions, I will be absolutely honest with you. Did most of the 2015 season and uh, bits and pieces of the 2016 season. But I, I want at least be able to play a snippet of some commentary that we did from ice hockey over the years. So uh, let's let's hear a classic moment from our commentary of the sport of ice hockey in Tasmania. The Red Barons here looking likely to score at the moment. The Cougars just cannot bring anything up the ice as they're trying to hold it in their end. They've got 36 seconds to ride it up here. The Cougars calling for it. Here's Graham Fall, your man, Samuel. He can't get a hold of it. Now the Red Barons out there on the breakaway. They've got somebody in the centre there, but he's not watching it as the puck gets brought up. Bit of a shovage up against the board. As now the Cougars have got a chance to break away. He holds on to it. Could this be it? Has a shot. Oh, it's gone wide. Oh, that would have been so handy. Richard Fox, he's not a happy chappy with that shot. That was a perfect opportunity. And now here come the Red Barons. A chance with only eight seconds on the clock. Has it gone in? No, it hasn't. The Cougars once again. They're going to run out of time here, I think. Has a shot. It's in. One second on the clock. What can you say about that? Absolutely magnificent, uh, Richard Fox. I, I was a bit worried about him there, Ben, after he missed that shot. Uh, aggressively uh, hit his stick against uh, the wall. But uh, I, I thought he'd lost his cool there, but uh, gathered, the, gathered the puck beautifully, Ben, and, and slotted it in, as you say, with one second left on the clock. Interesting to hear Sam there, because Sam joined us for our first grand finals, and but didn't really join us after that. It, was, it became myself, Dakota, and Paul, who I incidentally did not mention in our co-host. Hello, Paul. Sorry, you were a co-host on our show for 33 episodes. How wrong of me to forget that. But uh, yeah, Sam did a great job, and we missed Sam in the commentary box, but it was so much fun. And look, personally, I'm hoping to maybe get a little bit involved still just in some ice hockey games, potentially while I'm still in Hobart. So we'll see how that goes for 2017. Look, there were 668 episodes of The Brink that were on Edge Radio, essentially, over the years. There were so many. Uh, I think there was even more than that. I think we're closer to 700. I'm probably not counting a few there, but it was so much fun. I wish I could play so much for you, but again, we don't want to make this like a five-hour podcast. We want to try and just analyze this as much as I can but I, I personally uh, throughout all the episodes of any shows that I've ever hosted the brinks generally up there in my top you know it was the first one it, you know sort of the the, the way it kind of came out through edge radio and this separate show and we go breakfast and the people into it was just amazing so many good memories couple other ones I will play for you really 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 quickly um, we went out and did a lot of fun stuff. We did packages outside of the studio. We, you know, we covered sporting events. We covered just other events. It was just, it was just so much fun to be able to say that we did a bunch of these things. 
one of my favourites that we always got to do each year was the cricket. The uh, we we did commentary of, of of Hobart Hurricanes games and the Big Bash, even live on air. We were lucky enough to do that as well as pre-recorded stuff. Uh, but the international cricket was a lot of fun because Sam and I used to basically start from one side of the ground and do an entire lap of the entire oval. And we would just we would just record. We would not censor it. We wouldn't do anything. We'd just record nonstop. Sometimes we'd go for like half an hour, an hour, and people would just flock to us. We would just talk to people. We would shove a microphone in the face. They thought we were live, and we just roll with it. One of my favourite memories of this was uh, a Sri Lanka versus India game. Uh, Australia wasn't even playing. It was an amazing match. One of the greatest one-day cricket matches I've ever been to because India came from behind and won. It was brilliant. But we went on the hill and got to hang, hang out with Indian cricket supporters. Now, if you're listening to this and you don't know anything about cricket, let's just say India is the most mad country in the world when it comes to supporting their cricket. Cricket is like a religion to the Indians. And when you were in a group of mad cricketing fans from India, you know you were going to have a fun time. I have to play this snippet for you. This is one of my highest and greatest memories I've ever had from doing rap. Sam, while we're moving along here, Ramnik's having a bit of a chat. We're in the, we're in the heart of the Indian fans. I'm going to move along the line here. People are shaking their head. They don't want to be discussed. Guys, uh, anybody want to come and have a chat? Hello. How, I'm fine. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. Oh, that's very good. What's your name? Sonny. How are you finding the cricket tonight? This is amazing. Uh, excellent. It's, it's ab- good. You guys are going to win tonight, aren't you, I think? Oh, we will. In 40 hours. 40 hours. Everybody confident, and I've got some young gentlemen to the left here as well. You found yourself in the middle of the Indian fans. How are you finding this atmosphere? Absolutely amazing. We love it! We love it! It's safe to assume who everyone is going for around us at the moment. And is it? are you confident they can win it within 40 overs tonight as well? I have to ask a question about Sachin Tendulkar. Were you disappointed to see him go out early? Yes, we are. We're expecting to make his turn tonight, you know, but unfortunately, that's he, it. He's going to get it soon, you've got to say. Uh, he will, he will, but he will, but um, not in Australia. Is this the last time you think we've seen him in Australia? Yes, pretty sure. We love our Indian team, whatever it is. Yeah, we love it, we love it. Indian team, yeah, absolutely. Everyone loves him. Everybody loves him. I would, I would yeah. hate to say if any Indian fan would say he doesn't like him. Sachin Tendulkar. I'm going to move along the line here and come across the back. Anybody around here want to have a chat? G'day, mate. Edge Radio here in Hobart. How are you finding the cricket tonight? It's going pretty good. We're enjoying pretty much. And I think we'll hope we'll make a win and we'll win with a bonus point. Yeah. Confident, confident. Are you from Hobart or have you travelled here to see the match tonight? No, no, I'm from Hobart, local. Local? Yeah, yeah. But we are enjoying the match pretty much. That's the main thing. And everybody here, we're just over there in the stand next to a whole bunch of other Indian fans. There's a small crowd, but it's it's vocal, it's passionate. It's it's great to see this atmosphere. I've got a guy here in the left. He hasn't stopped clapping, mate. You're loving the cricket tonight, aren't you? We love, we love. Because this is the first time I came in the last 30 years. This is the first time watching a live cricket match in Hobart. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, it's good to have this here in Hobart, and it's good to see a bunch of guys who are coming here tonight and enjoying it on a, on a Tuesday night. So enjoy the rest of it, and let's go, India. Very good night. Thank you. India! 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 
probably should have warned you that's a bit loud. <laughs> it's, it was, it was, you should have been there. It was incredible. So much fun. Another one of my favorite things before we move on to the next show, of course, uh, forget the lyrics. You know, I can't do anything without playing a classic. Forget the lyrics. This is one we've already played on the Brink podcast, but I'm going to play it again because it's one of my favorite ones. Dakota and myself singing to the second greatest song in the history of music, Eiffel 65's Blue from 2014. Let's play this for you now. There's a hole in the roof Above my head in the edge Radio studio There's wires sticking out of it And cables too I'm slightly scared that I could get it at die and fry and convulse on the floor my brains would fall out and then my arm would cut itself and go on the floor so let's hope that doesn't happen Hole in the roof at edge, hole in the roof at edge, radio studios in Hobart, hole in the roof, I could get electrocuted and die. There's a hole in the roof at edge, hole in the roof in edge, hole in the roof at edge, radio, hole in the roof, Dakota came up with this topic for forget the lyrics. You worked on the keyboard, brilliant, Dakota. I didn't see you the synthesizer and. Thank you very much. Really good. The radio show on edge. The studio is at the Utah's campus. In Sandy Bay, there is a ceiling above me. I get so scared with a hole in the roof. There could be an alien up there. Even a creature with lots of hair. Those cables sticking out could kill it. They could fall down and put me in the beep. I could be dead on the air with a creature made of hair. Hole in the roof. It could hurt me. Yes, it could. Yes, it could. The aliens could kill me. It's nearly time. To change to Dakota Leary To sing about holes in roof Holes in roof in head It could kill us both There could be dead air On the studio chair It's over to Dakota I'm really bad at this segment Oh, see, I'm really bad at it I can't figure anything out I'm really bad because I'm just I can't do it because I'm just really bad I'm just seriously, seriously bad a hole, there's a hole in the roof above Bear's head. There's an alien up there, a hairy beast like Paul that comes on Tuesdays and stuff and he sings about stuff. Oh wait, but he shaved his beard off and he looks really different. I noticed that he smiles. There's a hole in the roof and there's wires sticking out. Ben can get sad and I'll take over the show. Wow, I had a big, um, I had a big roll in that. That was, I had a huge roll. That was good. Just like life. Yeah, just like life. 
Now, for those who don't maybe know what that actually is, essentially, uh, we had a segment called Forget the Lyrics. There used to be a TV show called Don't Forget the Lyrics, where the whole point of it was you got given a song, you had to sing along, and then you had to try and remember what came next, and you won money. We thought, hey, wouldn't this be a great segment if we reverse that? And we basically got a karaoke song, and we chose it myself and who the co-host was in the studio, and then we would come up with a random subject, and we had to make up the words on the spot. That simple. And you weren't meant to sing any of the real words, even though we kind of let that fade out over the years. So it was so much fun. So much fun. And the brink did end. Uh, get my years correct. 2015 in January on Edge Radio. And uh, just think it uh, I didn't play the very first episode for you because I don't think we technically have that. But this is how it ended. This is how the brink ended back in 2015 on Edge Radio. This is the final ever talk bit we ever had. On We've had 16 different hosts. I, I don't want to go over all of them, um, but to everyone who's ever come on here and hosted a show, uh, thank you very much. Um, we, we've put out a lot of these. Um, still continuing on, of course, through Survivor Oz, one of our spin-off shows, uh, which is available online, and, of course, Qualifying Lap will be making appearances on Edge uh, throughout um, the, the coming months, hopefully. Um, and it, it's, been, it's been fun. I think when I first started doing this, I didn't expect to be still here 11 years years later um it was by circumstance that i even continued on after doing it at elizabeth college and it's sort of been part of my life now for 11 years so it's very sad that i have to leave um i love doing this more than anybody can ever know so it's uh it's difficult but uh, obviously you've got to move on at some point and go where the career takes you so thank you to everybody who's tuned in over the years everybody who's appeared on the show to edge for allowing me this outlet it has been an honor and i look forward to coming back one day perhaps and annoying you guys you know maybe one day but uh for the last time hobart thank you for the journey thank you for everything thank you kevin bacon for being alive and until we next speak again keep sucking those oranges hobart and good night that's how it ended luckily we're still here as a podcast and we keep entertaining you now the first ever spin-off show that came from uh the brink 2009 we had a little show called the f1 show which eventually changed its name to the qualifying lap. Before I tell you the story behind that, let's let's hear how we introduce the qualifying lap, which is still in itself a podcast as well. This is the introduction for that show. Der Start. Nur auf 100 in 2 Sekunden. Los geht's. This song is actually DJ Visage with their hit called uh, Formula, otherwise known as the uh, the Schumacher song. But uh, yeah, so formerly the F1 show, we had to change our name to the qualifying lap because in one of the years we tried to gain uh, proper accreditation for the Grand Prix, uh, the, uh, the basically the bosses of Formula 1 found out that we were using the word F1, which is technically copyright and very strictly copyrighted. So therefore, we, Sam and myself, myself, uh, co-hosted the show with Sam, Sam and McCrossum, formerly of the brink, of course, still around and still does a qualifying lap with me. So we came up with the qualifying lap. Suck ever since, and um, we still enjoy it. We still love Formula One. Uh, we absolutely love the sport, and uh, something that we do enjoy. We cover it sporadically, if we have to be honest, but uh, we still thoroughly enjoy talking about it when we get the opportunity. 2009, it used to be on Monday lunchtime, so funnily enough, got our old slot back for a while there, and uh, basically ran the course across the years, uh, right up until 2015, 
as well. And as I mentioned about uh, in terms of getting accreditation, lucky enough in 2010 to be fully accredited by the FIA in order to gain some interviews and everything along the lines, we were accredited uh, just with national accreditation at the Australian Grand Prix every year between 2011 and 2015. And we're lucky enough also in 2013 through our side project where we got to do some online work with uh, Richard's F1, now Motorsport Mate, uh, with our friend Richard Bailey, who of course used to be a correspondent on the show to talk about Formula One. We also got to go to the 2013 Malaysian Grand Prix where we were able to also conduct full-length interviews there as well. But, uh, you know, if you know me personally, you know my uh, my admiration for one person in particular. I've always called him God. He's, of course, my idol, everything along those lines. Michael Schumacher, 2010, fully accredited. I was lucky enough to stand in front of God himself and interview him. This is, to me, the greatest interview I've ever done, and it only goes for about 30 seconds, but this is because this, to me, is interviewing my idol, my childhood idol, Michael Schumacher from the 2010 Australian Grand Prix. Michael, how has the um, reception of the Australian fans been on your return this time? Oh, very good. I mean, uh, very relaxed and, uh, how you say, respectful. So it was, was quite nice been here for more than a week of holiday I've met lots of uh, Australian people in in very nice uh, uh, situations and it's uh, has been you feel welcome that's 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 great did you and Karina enjoy Lady Gaga the other night Uh, it was interesting (laughs) apparently only I can ask my idol a question about Lady Gaga that's got absolutely nothing to do with Formula One. Uh, we, we interviewed some very big names over the years uh, on the F1 show. We're very lucky to do so. Uh, lots of drivers at the Grand Prix themselves and just, you know, through various other avenues, it was fantastic. Uh, we also got to interview a few over Skype too. One of the great ones, Mario Andretti, one of the greatest Formula One drivers of all the time. One of the greatest drivers of all time. Not sounds in Formula One, but in other sports as well. Uh, in other forms of motor racing, I should say. Sam and I got to interview him on the phone. Um, let's play just a, a tiny little snippet of that Mario Andretti interview. Just on that two-seater car, Mario, are you ever tempted to not pull into the pit lane at the start of the race and take the green flag? <laughs> Actually, they're, they're, they're scared to death that I will do that, and I will stay out a few <laughs> laps because I've threatened to do so, you know, and <laughs> and uh, see if I can pass a couple of back markers, you know, but um, uh, I'm enjoying that very much. Um, obviously, um, because uh, it just keeps my juices running. That's a good thing for me. Again, so many of these we could play uh, great highlights. Another one, Murray Walker was just such an uh, an amazing interview that I could get because, uh, again, another childhood idol of mine. Uh, I've always wanted to be a sports commentator, hence the poor ice hockey commentary. And uh, Murray Walker was always easily my favourite commentator and just to interview him, that's one that we would definitely have to share for you uh, on the qualifying lap again or potentially just through the brink because, uh, again, huge memories. One I wanted to play, though, this is kind of a random one, one that you think would be more so on the brink rather than the qualifying lap, but this was at an Australian Grand Prix event. It was an Australian Grand Prix red carpet event. The great Tony Hawk the uh, legendary skateboarder, you know, everybody might know him from his video games, but he's pretty much the greatest skateboarder of all time. I got to interview him on the red carpet at the Australian Grand Prix, and I thought that that was kind of cool and kind of had to share that with you, so uh, let's hear that now. Morning, Tony. How are you finding uh, the Australian Grand Prix? Is it your first ever Formula One race? Um, no, actually, I've done exhibitions at uh, another one in Abu Dhabi as well, and uh, it's, a great cr- it's a great crossover crowd for us. You know, they, they like the adrenaline rush, and they like the excitement, and um, they like to look over from the track over to the ramp and we have a blast a lot of fans go out there to see you were there yesterday it's absolutely packed i mean you know is this coming to australia and performing these massive crowds it must still be a buzz sort of uh you know bringing the skateboarding back down here 
I love it. Um, I mean, the, the fact, well, just the fact that I still get to do it for a living is incredible to me, but um, Oz crowd is always one of the best. They're, you know, they have embraced skating since day one. It's very much a surf and skate culture like that, so um, anytime I get to come back, I love it. Do you get a chance to go and mingle with some of the drivers, meet some of the uh, F1 drivers at all? Um, I haven't yet. I'm going to go check out a paddock tour today, and um, I did one hot lap in a V8, but uh, I haven't really been, I've been so busy at the ramp, I haven't been able to check out the race too much. Do you uh, have any drivers you really want to meet and uh, sort of uh, have a bit of a chat with at all when you're down in the pits? Um, I, I don't know. Don't I? <laughs> yeah, whoever's available. Go for Daniel Ricciardo, there's an easy tip for you. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Cheers, Daddy. Thank all you right, very much. Helping him out there to go for Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, it wasn't always about the interviews. It wasn't always about uh, the big names. We also did have a bit of fun on the qualifying lap. And uh, I, I personally always enjoyed on the episodes that I was able to be involved in that uh, we got to try and interview famous people, I guess. Uh, we kind of impersonated a few people, as you do. Uh, and uh, this is, I guess, a snippet, uh, one of my favourite bits, getting to chat to a very uh, interesting impersonation of Nicky Lauda done by Sam. It is a three-time Formula 1 world champion and he's very shortly going to be the subject of a new movie in about two months as well. We should talk to him a little bit about that more. Nicky Lauda! It's gonna get, it's gonna get, it's gonna get louder. Oh, yes, uh, a good, good, uh, good hello. Hello, hello, Benji, Benjamin, and uh, Sam. It is very nice to be here again. Yes, do you know where I am from? I am from Austria. People say I tend to talk a bit too much and rant and just go on and on and on. But I don't know what they are talking about. Clearly. Uh, well, it's been a few weeks since I've had you on, Nikki. Um, I mentioned you got a film coming up. Uh, well, it's about you. You're not in it. Well, are you in it? Maybe. Have they just done some great uh, makeup and they've just changed your name as an actor? I mean, are you really in this film? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I have not been thinking about the film too much because uh, I've got more important things to do with Mercedes. Do you know what I do there, Benjamin? I do, of course, yes. Uh, what, what are these more important things you've got to do with Mercedes? Oh, I do some, like, managing things there with uh, Toto. Do you know Toto? Toto Wolf, I believe? Yes, it's his name. Uh, yes, it's uh, Toto Wolf. Yes, you know, but I have sad news, Ben. I have very sad news. Me and Toto, we are having a feud. A feud. A, a, a feud. Yes, we are having a feud. It started over food. A, a feud over food. All right, then. Um, was was Susie involved in this? Of course, uh, Toto's wife. Yes, Toto Wolf. He has a a wife called Susie Wolf. Yes. Anyway, I was in the paddock with. We Toto the other day at the German Grand Prix, and and uh, Susie came up to me, and she goes, "Hello, Nikki, I bought you some food." Oh, and I said, "Oh, thank you, Susie Wolf," and and then Toto said to Susie, "Oh, but where's my food?" But Susie said, "But I didn't bring you any food," and I said, "Toto, stop, stop being a." Stop being an idiot! She didn't bring you no food! Anyway, that's that's what started our feud! Yeah, uh, I don't get it either, still, to this day. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was a qualifying lap uh, available now via iTunes. I'm sure you really want to download that. One random show that we did have uh, for a very limited time 
on Edge Radio was called The Best of the Brink. And uh, essentially, we were given a slot uh, on a Saturday afternoon where we could play Best Bits of the Brink. Funnily enough, that's what we essentially do right now with uh, this podcast. Uh, 17 episodes of that aired in 2012. And um, I have to at least play, I guess, an intro bit of this. It really wasn't anything different to what you already heard. So uh, this is a snippet from the very first episode of Best of the Brink. Over to the studio. Yes, thank you very much, Trevor. And welcome, everybody, to this very special edition of The Brink right here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM for the first time Edge Radio on a Saturday. No, we haven't given up on mornings. We are now here to bring you a weekly dose of the best bits of your favouritest radio show. Now, we have been on air now for over five years and have had some very good memories in that time. And this is our opportunity to share with you and this is the best bits of what has made The Brink one of Edge Radio's most popular shows. And I'd like to think that it still is one of the most popular shows, even though it doesn't exist on uh, Edge Radio anymore. A little show that came out uh, 2011. It became a uh, segment on the brink. It was called Survivors on the Brink. But uh, it kind of started its own little universe there for a while. Uh, this was, uh, I guess, a very interesting part of my life and something that I never thought would become an actual thing. I'm going to play the introduction for it first of all. The last form of the introduction again similar to the brink various uh forms of this introduction were played over the years but uh this is the uh very the last intro that you would have known from uh the show survivor oz survivor's ready go trap spoken boston rob and amber are gonna do it this is a, a business trip as i like to say you brad culpepper i'm tired of you and the fucking chickens you can call me the puppet master they can be my little puppets it's not like you're making me feel the devil here you get to milk your own milk i guess who the hell bought it for me chicken we got enough rocks here too we could build a pretty decent shelter just using rocks i'm supposed to talk loud with you you understand that better direct from hobart it's time for the only survivor podcast in australia dedicated to survivor bring you all the latest interviews episodes and opinions from the greatest reality show on the planet it's Survivor Oz, and here's your host, Ben Waterworth. Yes, it is Survivor Oz, Australia's only Survivor radio show and podcast. It's generally how I started off with an introduction. Got you a bit excited there. You thought it was back. I teased you. I teased you. Uh, now, essentially, this came about. This is really interesting. Long-term fan of Survivor. And uh, basically, I'd always kind of wanted to interview a contestant from the show. I'd managed to become friends with some Survivors on Facebook. Thought I was cool. And just by chance, end of 2011, got a got a Facebook wall post from a contestant from the 17th season of Gabon, Gillian Larson. Now, she posted on my wall and basically said, hey, if you ever want to interview a Survivor contestant, I would be down for it. You would think, coincidence, what's going on, Ben? Did have a bit of a hidden agenda. Um, she also runs a reality event, a uh, charity event in California each year called Reality Rally, held in April in Temecula, California. You will hear a bit of that very, very soon because I was lucky enough to attend it in 2016. So I kind of went from there, basically. Got an interview with Jillian, then got an interview with a couple of other contestants, and it snowballed. Before long, I was thinking, well, why not try and interview every contestant in the history of Survivor? And it just got into such a big thing that it basically was its own radio show on Edge Radio for a, for a small portion of time before it ultimately turned into its own podcast 912 episodes of survivor as i was involved in um there were there were so many memories i'm going to play a couple for you now 
And again, this is incredible. I've hosted more episodes of Survivor Oz than I hosted at the brink in a shorter amount of time. For a, for a very long period of time, we were the second most downloaded Survivor podcast in the entire world. We were awarded uh, with, uh, with iTunes Survivor number ones, iTunes number ones uh, in various countries. Um, and we also were awarded um, such things as the best website from the Czech and Slovakian Reality Awards. So twice, if I don't say, if I need to toot my own horn. Slightly there. But uh, we, we interviewed so many guests, uh, about 288, I think, or 388 from memory. Really should have these numbers to plan, but, uh, you know, obviously I don't really plan too much for this. And, look, I'm not going to play all of them, don't worry. Uh, but uh, just a couple of the interviews I wanted to play some memories from. Uh, probably the biggest name we ever got on the show in terms of outside of the contestants as well, Mark Burnett, who kind of maybe in the last six months, his reputation has been tainted slightly because he helped put some exposure on the current president of the United States, Donald Trump. But he was instrumental in making Survivor a hit. He got the rights from the initial show, Expedition Robertson, which was originally aired in Sweden, created by a man called Charlie Parsons, who we also got an interview with. But Mark Burnett, Huge star in America, producer, you know, multi, multi-millionaire, billionaire, I think, possibly. Um, you know, Emmy Award winner, star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Just, he's a big deal, Mark Burnett. And somehow, plucky little podcast hosted, then at the time, in a tiny little room in suburban Hobart, got an interview with this very, very important person in Hollywood. Let's play a little snippet of my chat with Mark Burnett. Another question we've pulled out of retirement, because again, this probably is the one person who could answer this question. If there was to be a tie in that final tribal council, Mark, to decide the winner, how is it decided who wins the game? Final tribal council is always an odd number, though, of people, right? Well, with the final three, though, with, the, with, say, nine jury members, if you had one person voting for one, you could potentially have four votes for one and four votes for the other with the tie situation. Uh, so, yeah, you're right, you're right, actually. Um, well, we would do what we always do, where Jeff would then have the, the, the two tied people and Jeff would make the revote. Right, so a revote then. By the way, it must be written in the rules because on the legal level, there's got to be rules for everything. But, you know, the, what you find that happening end up happening, logic does prevail, and the rules become very logical. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, and that's what's been much fun all the time. You know, everything just needs to make sense. There's no arbitrary, silly rules. You know, and I think probably that's also why people love the game. Mm, you know? Very true. It would be intriguing, actually. I mean, it's sort of never even really come close to that, but if it happens, Mark, we'd like to see it. Strange moment that I can stump the guy who essentially created it in America. Um, yeah, it was a fascinating interview and uh, definitely one that I'm uh, very proud of. Now, we, we've got a bit of a reputation on Survivor Oz for being stupid and nobody listened to us for kidding. Uh, well, that actually is true. Uh, we got a bit of a reputation. Um, this is why people don't listen, Ben. This is why people don't listen. We got reputation, third time I've said that now, for getting people who hadn't been heard from in a long time. Our most downloaded interview in the history of our show was Greg Buis, season one contestant who had a huge cult following with the only podcast essentially in the last uh, 17 years have ever got him on the show. So we still hold that distinction. One that we also tracked down, we were the first to get in a very long time, was my personal favorite player of all time, Brian Heideck, won season five in Thailand. People always used to ask me, what's your favorite interview? All these sort of things. I would generally always go to Heideck just because... 
he's Brian Hardick and he was elusive. He had just not been heard of in so long. I mean, he's made appearances on other shows now, charity events and everything. He made constant appearances on our shows over the years after this interview. But the very first one, the very first time we got the great, the king, the, the, the master that is Brian Hardick on the show, one of my personal highlights from hosting it. And I've got to play a bit of a simple for you right now. I, uh, I, I love just the constant use of the word suggesting Brian. I think everybody listening to this playing Survivor right now, listen to Brian Hardick when you go into the game Survivor, just suggest things. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoy it. Now, I can't say a few other words. I'd give up all my secrets, but that's one thing I'll, I'll throw a bone out there, okay? Yes. You've got to keep some because, you know, we want to see you play again one day, Brian. So you've got to keep, you know, a few locked away. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens in the future. Sadly, to this day, still hasn't played again. It's a travesty, CBS. Make it happen. Uh, one of my... Uh, other favourite moments, I guess, uh, Jerry Manthe was a very uh, infamous, famous, whatever you want to say, player. Uh, played in the very second season of Australian Outback. Of course, I uh, returned for All-Stars, Heroes vs. Villains. One of, she's really got a great reputation now and one of the probably all-time fan favourites, I would say. Definitely Jerry Manthe, very well respected in Survivor. But uh, I was a huge fan. I've uh, had the honour of interviewing her twice uh, initially for an original interview, then I got her back on in 2013 to do a bit of a charity interview when she was going to Reality Rally that year. And uh, this is how she closed out the interview. And this is this is one that I... There's been lots of, I guess, sound bites over the years. You know, Rupert Bonham screaming, Who the hell doesn't listen to Survivor Oz? And several other ones. You'll hear another one in just a moment too. But uh, this is probably up there as one of mine, if not my most famous uh, favourite soundbite that I have had uh, by hosting Survivor Oz. Jerry, absolute pleasure getting you back on the show. Uh, best of luck with everything. And uh, look, we might even try and get you back on maybe during season 26. We'll, we'll try and get you on for an episode recap. How does that sound? I would love to. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to my favourite Australian. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna, can, I, can I just keep that and forever play it over and over in my head? And kind of, I might even make that my message tone on my phone. That, uh, that means that much to me right now, Jerry. Please do, please do. I'm totally serious. I, I, I wish we lived closer. I, mean, I think you'd be a really fun person to go and have a beer with. I would be. Yes. <laughs> well, again, I'm, I'm so much intrigued now about golf with porn stars and, you know, Jerry Manthe. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> Tell me when. Yeah. The two do not do not uh, cross over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm there enjoying the game of golf with a bunch of random porn stars. I'm not participating in porn yes. let's just make that very clear yes. Play, playboy <laughs> was a one-off everybody that is just that's in the past and that's not even porn you can, you can tell by the smile in my my mouth right now that i still smile listening to that uh, just so much fun and uh just one of these ones that we just couldn't get on more than twice. We, we always try to reach out to get on the show, but just it just never came about. So, uh, Jerry, if you happen to be listening to this, which you're probably not, we'll get you on the Oz Network one time. We really would love that. Uh, another sound one I want to play just from another contestant. This one's just a quick one. Tony Blackhouse, of course, he just returned recently for Game Changers. He won season 28 in Kagayan. And uh, I kind of got a bit of reputation during that season on some of our episodes that I tried to impersonate a really terrible impersonation of Tony Blackhouse. He had a very distinct accent you hear it. And uh, basically, a listener wrote in and uh, asked me to do an impersonation of Tony to Tony. This is how that turns out. Aiden Mazden. Now, I, I was waiting for somebody to send this in, Tony. Um, throughout the season, I um, I would break out into a terrible Tony impersonation. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if you want to hear my Tony impersonation or, or whether we will skip over that question or... <laughs> 
right now. Let's let's hear it. All right, this is this is embarrassing. Uh, oh, I'm Tony, police officer. I'm going to win Survivor. See, it sounds terrible. See, it just coming out of my mouth. I just wanted to stop myself. <laughs> Hey, 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 you know what? Never never do that again, man. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the fact that yeah. I've had the person himself tell me that, uh, I think I'll officially retire. Oh, the, the terrible Tony impersonation. <laughs> oh, jeez. That was, that was horrible. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Adam, for uh, embarrassing me. Yeah, I'm still embarrassed hearing that uh now we we had plenty of other highlights over survivor Oz. as i said you know 900 episodes you're going to have a few uh now i want to just play a couple here because again there's so many that we can play just the the fun little banter we used to have on on the the Oslet episodes when we would be uh talking about uh just anything we'd have our oz topsies our preview episodes which we kind of did get into trouble once but we won't get into that again um uh, oz cats we did commentaries so much fun i don't even know what i'm going to play here right now i'm going to pull a random moment from one of these episodes that you are going to enjoy because there's so many to choose from i just want to play this one because i absolutely love it but look I digress. I, I was just going to say, uh, completely off topic, I thought that if we lost any way, any form of talking tonight, and we haven't, uh, I did know you're going to laugh at this, because I actually brought something along with me. I brought a prop along with me tonight, just in case we got lost for things to talk about. Uh, Noah and Paul came over to my house the other day, and we were going through some things, and I happened to find a, a book I wrote. Um, as a nine-year-old, oh, Pip is vomit, is it? No, I, I happened to find a, a classic that I wrote back in 1996 called "The Princess Who Lost Her Nose," um, and this is uh, 32 chapters of funny action by B. Waterworth. Um, and I was going to read some of these 32 chapters, but look, we don't have time now, so maybe I'll save that for the end of the season. <laughs> no, you read some of it. This is a literary classic, is it not? Well, your idea of a chapter, 32 chapters, is. Two sentences. Can I hold this so, up and see if people can see this? So, like Ben Waterworth redefining a chapter. That's chapter one. That's chapter two. That's chapter three. <laughs> like, this, uh, okay, I'll read chapter one. This is how long chapter one is. One day, a princess called P.R. Karen, uh, it's meant to be Princess Karen, uh, was walking along when she tripped. Relations, Karen. When, when she tripped and she saw a fuzzy thing moving around. Full stop. Chapter two. Uh, <laughs> that's a chapter. So, <laughs> look, I'll keep you in suspense to see what happens to PR Karen. To read a it's chapter, be like an ongoing serial. Yeah. <laughs> it did actually become an ongoing thing. We we read the whole bloody thing out during that series of uh, Oz Top season. That was a really random moment. There were better ones than that, but hey, I just pulled that one out of my ass. Uh, so sue me. I mentioned before Reality Rally went there in 2016. Got to interview some amazing people. Had such a fun time, and I just want to play a tiny snippet from uh, Reality Rally. This was on the red carpet. This is me interviewing the great Richard Hatch and Jimmy Tarantino, among the many people I spoke to in person that weekend, but uh, just want to play a bit of this one for you. I'm here with uh, Jimmy T from Survivor Nicaragua as they're singing happy birthday to Richard Hatch, who would love to join us. Both of us, right here, Jimmy T and Richard Hatch, mate. Hey, Ben. In person, original Teen Survivor Oz members. We face this way and see the camera as well. Richard, first of all, happy birthday, mate. Uh, How are you feeling? I'm feeling officially old at 55. 55 and not a day over 21, if you ask me. Exactly. And Jimmy, uh, you come to this event a lot, as do you, Richard. What is it about Reality Rally that always draws you back? Uh, 
Well, the friends you get to make, giving back what we did, and uh, I just want to uh, say about Richard's birthday, it's exciting. I'm, I'm not going to tell you how I know, but he's got some new ink. He's in better shape than he's been for 10 years. I look for him to be back on again soon. So. As I said, original Teen Survivor, I was going to you're competing tomorrow. Richard, you're not. Richard, I'm competing for the very first time. I'm keeping Teen Survivor Oz alive like you did a couple of years ago. What tips will you give me tomorrow in the race? Oh, that's a good one. Tips. Be yourself. Think, think, think. Be yourself. And focus. Think and focus because these uh, these uh, challenge spots will trick you up. And Jimmy, you're competing, so am I meant to look out for you as a rival or will you give me a bit of help given you've got a bit of Survivor Oz in your blood? I, I, listen, I'm, I was proud to race with Survivor Oz and I'm proud as well. This year, Team Lions selected me. They could have picked a lot of great things, so I'm proud of that. And as always, I'll give 100% for Team Lions, 110. So Lucky to have him. Perfect, guys. Pleasure to do this in person. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll catch you out in the course. Such a fun time. Such a fun time. One of uh, definitely my highlights from being able to say I've uh, been to that event, meet so many of the survivors, become so many good friends with a lot of these contestants as well, stayed in their houses, just done amazing things. It's great that I've been able to uh, have this happen from hosting such a show like that. We did lots of parody songs, okay? And as you heard from Forget the Lyrics, I can't sing. Uh, one of the ones we did was called Survivor Style, in the style of Gangnam Style. I'm not going to play the whole thing for you. I don't want to make you just completely delete this right about now, but uh, let's just hear a little bit of Survivor Style. Survivor Style. Survivor Style. Arriving on a boat, looking at Jeff Probst. He's staring at us now, wondering who will vote. Holy crap, there are some returning players. Holy crap, now my game is screwed. Russell Hans is here. He's looking for the idol. Russell Hans is gone. He didn't find the idol. Boston Rob is here, but he's really missing Amber. Richard Hatch is here. He is still queer. I just want to avoid Ravu, that tribe really sucked, poor Yaman was fucked, holy son of a bitch, here comes a tribal switch, Silas you're done, Marty's got no one, who the hell thought this game would be fun? Survivor style, Survivor style, whoop, 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 whoop. Survivor style Survivor style Whoop, 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 whoop Survivor style Hey, Purple Kelly Whoop, 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 whoop Survivor style Hey, Purple Kelly Whoop, 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 whoop it hurts, it hurts my ears too, people. That's why I'll stop it for you are there. We, we had a lot of fun doing that. We recently actually released them in 2017, the Lost uh, parody mega mixes that we did, which we had a lot of fun making and wish we could have done them for all the seasons. But I'm glad we at least got them out there so you can hear how really shit uh, the singing abilities of myself is. Uh, we had a couple of spin-off shows, even of Survivor Oz. Uh, we had Big Brother Oz and The Amazing Race Oz, both which were incredibly fun. 
And, uh, of course, Big Brother, it was the last season they did in Australia back in 2014. Myself and Kristen covered that with Jared uh, Lubick as well. Not Jared Lubick, sorry, uh, Alex Morella. Getting the wrong person. When Jared was involved, uh, you'll hear him from him soon in a couple of other spin-off shows. But a lot of fun was Big Brother Oz. So was The Amazing Race Oz, a show that I was only really involved in during the Australia versus New Zealand season. And then uh, Colin and Noah sort of took over for the American seasons. But I wanted to just play a little snippet from, uh, it was a final episode of The Amazing Race, Australia versus New Zealand. And we this is our final recap episode of it. Getting involved and talking a little bit about an excited Grant Bowler. And can I just point out that as you've heard with some of the audio quality throughout this episode, uh, this gets a little bit loud. So uh, don't listen to this little bit too loud. We get them running along the wharf. Uh, we get all the teams cheering. And what happens at this point? <laughs> Come on, Noah. <laughs> you do number one! <laughs> I just love the fact that when he does it, there's like this massive pause. It's not just like they jump at the back. You're team number one! It's, it's like, guys, you're team number one! And his face just like right up in their face. He was lit up so brightly. Like, oh my God, Crane. Man uh, knew that the ratings weren't going to be good and it was his last chance to, to do that. So he just went all out. Saving up all these... Uh, Jared and Ashley, you are team number one. Congratulations. You're saving that all up for this finale. You're team number one! Yes. <laughs> and, and all the New Zealand teams had gone, so it was added extra that it was Australian teams. Um, <laughs> nice to see all the old New Zealanders. Mm-hmm. I mentioned Jared. You heard a little bit of him there anyway. So uh, there you go. You're hearing from Jared already. And the last bit I want to play, again, so many memories of Survivor. We could be do a whole separate episode on this itself. And we did release a best of each year that we were fully on the air as well. So you can find those online as well. But um, one of the most random ones we ever did, we did a random episode on Star Wars because Noah and I had seen it. We just wanted to talk about it. But this was... Um, the most randomest and one of the most painful episodes, I guess. We essentially used to rip a lot of shit into a TV show, Channel 7 TV show called Bringing Sexy Back. It was on during when The Amazing Race Australia New Zealand was on and we saw the ads and we just, we hated the concept of it. It was basically, let's get fat old people and make them sexy again. Let's bring that sexy back. Terrible concept, terrible show, only last one season. Let's never talk about it again until right now. We basically got the listens. We said, if we can get to 50 likes or 50 ratings on iTunes, we will do a recap episode on bringing sexy back. We got to 50 ratings on iTunes. We did this episode. Now, before we um, we play this snippet, I just a little story. I don't know if we ever told this on Survivor. I was pretty sure we did, but it was still funny. We got an email about with a couple of days after we posted this episode. We actually got an email from the woman who was featured in this. Uh, I think her name was Paula from memory. She was the subject of trying to bring that sexy back. And she reached out to us and emailed us and basically said she loved the episode. And it was funny. We spent this entire episode ripping shit into her, claiming she was having an affair with the trainer and that she was cheating on her husband, and yet she enjoyed it. So maybe she was actually um, doing that all the same. This involved a scene, just to kind of put a bit of um, you know context into what we're talking about here. Paula had to go into a theatre, sit down on a seat, stand up, sit down on another seat, stand up, and this was a form of exercise for her. Noah and I found this funny. Noah in particular. This is one of my favourite modes from Survivor. I wasn't even related to Survivor, but this is uh, still good enough that I have to play this clip for you. So, so what's this theatre got to do with anything? Are we just not paying attention? <laughs> oh, what? You got to... What? Sit down on chair? What the fuck? <laughs> 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 oh, 
<laughs> That's exercise. <laughs> Sitting down on multiple chairs. <laughs> 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 I think we're about to lose now. <laughs> <laughs> She's in a world of pain, Noah. She's in a world of pain. <laughs> oh my god! This is like I've seen the biggest loser. <laughs> when where, where's the biggest loser challenge where you just get them to sit down really quickly? Uh, at least it's unique. <laughs> Probably the theme of a lot of our shows. Well, at least it's unique. That was Survivor Oz. Uh, still all online. If you want to go back and listen to those. Again, we could really dedicate a whole episode just to those uh, as well with my memories of those shows. Now, a little show I did for a, a while, and it was kind of a, it was a weird one that I got involved in. Uh, Sealed for your enjoyment. Uh, Edge Radio's show on sex. Um, when you think about experts on sex, apparently you think of Ben Waterworth. This is 2014. I got an opportunity to host 20 episodes of this with uh, Morgan Meehan Lamb. Now, this is Morgan's show. She did this, uh, also known as LaFay. This was her baby. She hosted it with a former guy heavily involved in his radio of these Alistair Ling and basically Al couldn't do it anymore so therefore I was drafted in somehow and uh, had a lot of fun now there wasn't really an introduction to Sealed for Your Enjoyment it basically started off with a disclaimer followed by Morgan talking this is that disclaimer I've just got to at least play this because Morgan just sounds so good the way that she used to introduce the show the following program contains some material that may be offensive to those who don't like extremely adult content it is advised that children the easily offended and the uninitiated tune out now. Welcome to Seal for Your Enjoyment for another week here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. That was winning by Pat Chow. I am Morgan and I'm here with my co-host as always, Ben. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. That's good. That's yes. fine. It's very gloomy outside. I don't know if you realise that. Gloomy but warm. Yeah. I don't like it. Me neither. Actually, the fan in the studio is working a treat. I just turned it on then and uh, straight away I feel like I'm in Antarctica. So it's... Um, yeah. <laughs> Good work. The way she used to say uninitiated used to always just do something to me. It was just amazing. I loved it. Uh, I'm not going to play a whole lot from Sylvia Enjoyment because clearly the content was a bit racy. Uh, not that that really stops us from this doing that on this show, but uh, a lot of interesting stuff. One of my favourite bits, though, we got the opportunity to go to Sexpo in 2014. Came to Hobart. Only time it's ever been here. A lot of fun. Let's just point it that way. We, uh, we got a chance to speak to an Australian porn star called Angela White and an Australian penthouse model called Scarlett Morgan. Now, a bit of a backstory. We initially actually had an in-studio interview with Angela White. She was meant to join us in the Edge Radio studio, and we went to have an hour-long interview with her. It fell through, sadly, at the last moment. But we were able to uh, join her at Sexpo, have a bit of a conversation, and talk about it, as well as with Scarlett Morgan. Got to say, one of the most interesting days of my entire life on radio, the, the interviews that I did were incredible. And the fact that I got to interview a porn star that you will find out I had been following closely for some years was very, very interesting. Continuing on here at Sexpo, and I have found the two stars of Sexpo. The beautiful stars. The beautiful ladies of none other than Angela White and Scarlett Morgan. Ladies, thank you very much for your time. How are you enjoying Hobart? I'm loving it so far. It's actually really, really pretty. Is it both? Is your, your first time to Hobart uh, for both of you? It's my first time as well, yeah. It's amazing. 
First time, Angela, as well? Absolutely. First time ever. Now, uh, Sexpo, obviously, is fantastic. I've been here for about two hours, and I will say this is the favouritest place I've ever been to in my entire life. <laughs> we don't want to leave. We're going to stay here. Do you find that a lot of people who come here for the first time uh, have the similar feelings and uh, sort of that they're really opening their eyes to a wide variety of acts and entertainment here? Yeah, I mean, Sexpo really is an eye-opener for a lot of people. There are some... I mean, Sexpo is a very welcoming environment, uh, both for uh, couples and for women. And obviously, uh, men have felt comfortable with adult entertainment for quite some time. But a lot of people are coming in here and seeing sex toys for the first time. And it's in an environment where there are educated people here to explain to them how to use the toys, uh, how to get the best out of them. Obviously, there's stage shows that are very titillating. Um, I'm not sure if... I, I heard there's a strip club in Hobart, is that true? There is. We have the men's gallery, which is... It's, it's, I mean, it's as close as what adult entertainment we have in this city, really, but... Probably not up to your standards. <laughs> I, I, I think if you went in there, you'd wow them all. Yes, yes, you'd look and go, what the hell is this? But we'll go with it. I mean, I've been I've never seen half the stuff, and it's probably just not as amazing as what we really, I'm really hoping that Sexpo sort of will mark a point in Hobart where we'll start going up in adult entertainment. I noticed actually, Andrew, on your Twitter you were looking at potentially going to Mona. Have you had a chance to go out there at all? Scarlett, have you gotten out there? I went out to Mona yesterday, and can I just say, that place is breathtaking. I just, I had the best time. I want to go back before I leave and spend another few hours looking around. Are you going to head out there at all, Angela? Or? I'm not sure if I'm going to get a chance. I would really like to take the time, but I'm only here till Sunday night, so... I'm going to do my best, but the, my first priority is just meeting the people of Hobart here, taking some photos with them, uh, showing them what Sexpo is all about, which is it's all about fun, health, sexuality. Um, and if I get a chance to go to Mona, that would be awesome as well. <laughs> always going to be here, so if you don't get a chance this time, I'll definitely come back. Then. I'll definitely come back. Now, we're going to uh, let you get back to some photos in a second because we've got some people getting ready here. But uh, just quickly, Scarlett, obviously, yourself, Penthouse Pet, uh, all going very well for you at the moment. You've got a very loyal Twitter following, I've noticed, and Facebook as well. Are you hoping to meet some of them here across the weekend? Oh, I'm really excited. I've already met Morgan here, who's just wonderful. We chat all the time on Twitter, but there's so many people that are just coming in, and I just love them all. I love them. And Angela, for you as well, obviously the career is really blossoming at the moment. You've got your own website, which is fantastic and uh, really hoping to meet some of the fans here as well. Absolutely. I love meeting my fans and hearing what they have to say about, about the site, about my recent scene. So it's been amazing so far and I'm looking forward to the rest of the next couple of days. I admitted on air this morning, and I think I was admitting it to both Morgan and Juliet yesterday, that I followed your career back in the Girls Out West Abbey Winters days. And uh, so I've been watching you for a long time and I have to say... I have to tell you that. I'm, I'm happy to admit it. I'm not ashamed. Why not? Why should you be ashamed about yeah. watching my boobies for all this time? Exactly. Yes, I've never been able to say that to a guest before. <laughs> I've never been able to say that to a guest until today. So. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And yeah. you've surrounded yourself with big-breasted women, beautiful big-breasted women. I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, what can I say? I've got the best job in the world. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Well, no. Second best. I, I have the best job yeah. in the world. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, get, you get to touch and feel and lick. I just get to look. So, uh, well, Angela and Scarlett, thank you very much. I hope you really enjoy your time here in Hobart and appreciate your time on Edge Radio. Thank you so much. I had to play that a little bit longer just because I thought it was uh, worth it. Another show that we started, uh, 2015, this one was uh, Euros Vision. Now, uh, myself, Jared and Noah, big fans of the uh, annual song contest in Europe called 
Eurovision. So we added the word Oz to it. We made it Eurovision. Uh, this is how we started Eurovision before uh, we hear a bit of a snippet. This is our introduction. The following podcast may contain themes and references not suitable for young people and may also contain themes and references that might be offensive to some listeners. Be advised that no ill will has been intended in recording this episode and it has been done so purely for entertainment purposes. If you have any concerns or complaints about what is discussed in the following episode, please contact us. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> Time to frock up, put on the sequence and say Guten Tag from Vienna as we bring you Australia's only Eurovision podcast, Eurovision, direct from the Eurovision capital of Australia, Hobart. Now, here's your host, Ben Navratova. I completely forgot that we had that disclaimer beforehand. You can see the uh, inspiration, perhaps, from Sylvia Enjoyment and around the time we did that. Uh, it also came off the back of the whole controversy around the uh, Worlds Apart preview episode, which I'm not getting into on this, but uh, yeah, I guess we were trying to play it safe. Now, I'm not going to play a whole lot from Eurovision. It only lasted one year. We haven't didn't bring it back in 2016. Don't know about 2017, because Noah's kind of actually in Europe, even though that probably would mean it would be a lot better to bring it back. But uh, at least it'll play one fun scene. But this is actually, I think, from the very first episode we did of Eurovision. And um, it apparently comes around our favourite Hungarian singer, Boggy, and can Combining that with our favourite Israeli singer who sang Golden Boy. Um, all right, we're going to close this out. I think we've done a fairly good uh, debut episode of Euros Vision. It's been fun. We've learnt a lot. And we've discovered that Boggy needs to start singing anytime soon because uh, she's not the golden girl. Uh, <laughs> but we love you, Boggy. Hashtag we love you, Boggy. Um, so we're going to close out, though, Noah, with a hashtag. For the episode, um, you've got a couple here that you think we could choose from. Yeah, um, I'll give you the options, and then you tell you tell me which one we should go with. But um, my picks were either uh, your classic line from Twenty Minutes In. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't don't quote me on that. It may have been twenty five, but hashtag Abba had beards <laughs> <laughs> in reference to Conchita, I believe. Or hashtag better than boggy. I think that has a bit of a ring to it. Yeah, so. I like better with bo- better than boggy. I think that'll that'll be trending on Twitter in like Armenia tomorrow. True story. It did. And we can't back that up. Eurovision was a lot of fun, and uh, we really did miss it last year, sadly. Speaking of a lot of fun, uh, we also got to, uh, in the same year, bring you another spin-off show, a show that's still going to this day, and that we just celebrated our 50th episode, Double Oz 7. And I've got to admit that I, I love doing The Brink, I love doing Survivor Oz, I love doing every single show I've ever done in my entire career. Double Oz 7 is just something unique. It's just something so exciting about it. It's Colin, myself, and Noah. We have a great time on this show, and... Uh, one of my favourite shows that I've done and probably the most uh, enjoyment I get out of it. I never get sick of doing it, never get uh, organized, sick of organising it and all the preparation involved. But uh, this is how we generally do a, a generic introduction for 007. This is our show's introduction. My name's Bond. James Bond. What do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Double oh, 007. <laughs> this never happened to the other fellow. 
and the money. Every penny of it. So you put your money where your mouth is. Well, that's quite a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I approve. I'll do anything for a woman with a knife. Shocking, positively shocking. You get your clothes on, I'll buy you an ice cream. <laughs> Such a fun collection of uh, snippets there. Colin, one of our co-hosts, as I just mentioned. Colin Hilding from Canada, Winnipeg. He put that together and uh, still a fantastic one. We play different introductions to different episodes. Generally, it relates to if we're doing one on a certain movie, we'll play that movie's song. So many fun moments in our 50-episode history of 007. And uh, we're going to play a couple bits here. You would have heard these if you listened to our 50th episode of 007. Colin put together a few best of moments. And uh, these these are just a little bit of fun. Uh, first one I want to play. This is what happens when somehow you get onto the topic of the Hulk and the Hulk quoting bits from James Bond movies. Bond has to get Tiffany, so he walks on water to do it. Um, cool little gadget. If anybody has seen... I don't recommend seeing it, but the Avengers movie, not the Marvel one, but the Avengers one with Ray Fiennes and Uma Thurman and Sean Connery. It's pretty much the same gadget they use in that movie. Sean Connery is it? Sean Connery's the villain in that. Uh, I do not recommend watching that under any circumstances. Yeah, he plays Loki in the Avengers. (laughs) (laughs) Sean Connery is the Incredible Hulk when he hulks up. You Um, want to see me when I'm angry. Hulk smart. Oh, smash. <laughs> I do, um... Smashing, positive, How many more Hulk lines can we come up with? We've said all three. <laughs> Dr. Banner, I presume. <laughs> you wouldn't like oh, her. <laughs> hey, Captain America, what a coffin. <laughs> what are you doing? Yes. <laughs> Onto the climb. I love how that's one of his lines. What are you doing? <laughs> well, what else does the Hulk say? Famous movie line. <laughs> what, Hulk. Hulk. what are you doing? <laughs> you said this famous line. What are you doing? Oh, the Hulk. Oh, the Hulk. Yes. <laughs> I want that on a T-shirt. What are you doing, Dad? Hulk. <laughs> Oh, God. That famous catchphrase. It's it's pretty much like we could say in all honesty, it, it pretty much is the go-to line for Guy Hamilton's random background henchman. What are you doing? What is that? <laughs> is that Hulk's famous line? What is this? A merry-go-round! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to do the opposite now. Hulk quotes both. <laughs> <laughs> I was just taking my rap for a walk. <laughs> my name's Plenty, Plenty O'Toole. <laughs> what is this? A perverse convention? <laughs> you expect me to talk? I expect you to die. You just killed James Bond. <laughs> Throw up your pants. <laughs> <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, 007. Uh... Allow me to introduce myself. <laughs> I am Ernst Dudrup Bomber! Just like Divers Are Forever, this podcast gets a little bit over the top and on acid. Oh, <laughs> 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 
There's never happened in another podcast. <laughs> Breathe, everybody. <laughs> Are you quarrel? Like <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, we're gonna have to move on here, otherwise this is gonna go for three hours and eighteen minutes. If you've listened to any of our other podcasts, this is the time to. <laughs> All right, breathe, breathe, right. breathe. We try to breathe. We try to breathe. Now another bit again on our best of bit of our fiftieth episode. Um, we did an episode where we ranked the songs, basically in the history of James Bond. The episode ended up being called "Drop Dead Ben." You're going to hear a few bits here and there, uh, highlights of that episode. I'm just going to keep these grouped together, how Colin put them together for our 50th episode, because I guess they kind of all need to stay together. Starts off with me basically joining some form of club, and it kind of goes through Noah crying as well as just uh, mentions and references to deceased famous singers' husbands. Uh, Well, deceased husbands of famous singers should be the correct terminology. This is... uh, this is interesting. I still laugh to this day listening to this. So uh, here we go. Some uh, more best of bits from uh, 007. <laughs> can I just point out? Can I just point out? Like, we, we, we have a little text box here that we like to type in um, for little notes. And I just want to read out here what Colin has typed about me. Ben has the musical taste of a middle-aged gay man. Um <laughs> <laughs> that is legitimately what Colin Hilding thinks about Ben Waterworth. Thank you, Colin. <laughs> it's legitimately the way you come across. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine if that's your taste. It's just and an you're not a middle-aged gay man. Hello to all our middle-aged <laughs> gay men listening to 007 today. Um, I will be joining the annual meeting in a couple of hours. <laughs> The annual meeting is in a couple of hours. This is once a year and you're doing a podcast. It's it's very convenient. It's very convenient that Colin brings it up. (laughs) Colin brought it up on the day of the annual meeting of the middle-aged gay men for Madonna. It's very coincidental. The annual gay middleman meeting. (laughs) It's on the same exact day. Wow. Colin. I had no idea. Colin, how did you know about the annual middle Yeah, how did you know, Colin? I think Ben put out a tweet when he was campaigning for the presidency. (laughs) The president of the middle-aged gay man club society of the world. Who beat up on the 2nd of May after 11 p.m. I can't wait until Bond 25 when Cher covers the the song and Ben revises his rankings to put it in the top if five. If you believe in Bond after Bond. Uh... <laughs> the fact that you both are going to rank this in the top 17. You had Diamonds Are Forever 17. You've got another way to die in the top 20. That. Ne- negates any argument I've just put forth for Diamonds yeah, Are Forever 17. This is like the two most unlikely duet people in the history of music screaming at each other and you're putting it this high? No. Ben said there's nothing wrong what? with Celine Dion. <laughs> <laughs> Millions of her fans who see her every year in Las Vegas would agree with me, Colin Hilding. Hey, I'm Canadian and we all hate Celine Dion here. <laughs> well, her heart will go on, so I don't care. <laughs> Her husband died this year, Colin. That's Have some respect. Game, <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I think it's my turn. Uh, rest in peace, John Tenney. 
Um, I think that was her husband. Mr. Dion. <laughs> Mr. Dion. Uh, His heart uh, didn't go on. Oh. <laughs> well, I just see it now. I know some people out there are groaning. Some people out there are laughing. This will not make the best of, but enjoy it for what it is. <laughs> Well, I would, if no one's going to care because none of these millions of so-called fans are listening to Double Old Seven, which they should be. Um, but yeah, rest in peace, Mr. Ian Dion. Um, <laughs> or whatever he's called. <laughs> His name really was Ian Dion. Ian Dion. <laughs> I'm like so sorry, Celine. This is like so, so disrespectful. I don't think Celine is listening. Celine Dion is at that point. Hi. She's the guest speaker at the uh, the meeting today. Every keynote speaker. Every night in Las Vegas, she's like, "Everyone, thanks for coming to my show. Please listen to Double Oz Seven. Until now. I I really want to cry right now. Do it. Do it. I there's a tear coming out of my eye. Oh. Stop dead. Why <laughs> uh, can't um... you just make it good, Ben? <laughs> All the other podcasts are respected. <laughs> <laughs> Um, seeing his reflection, his golden eye at number fifteen. Oh, what? this is diamonds up forever all over again. This is the lowest ranking Pierce Brosnan theme. I said that. I said that when we did the Pierce Brosnan movies. That this was my least favorite Pierce Brosnan song. We didn't listen. Ugh. Oh. Nobody's listening anymore. The show's cancelled. Nobody listens We're anyway. Done. We're going home. Uh, I don't even know what to do anymore. <laughs> I have run out of insults. Um, I've run out of criticisms. Uh, ben, drop dead. <laughs> wow. Drop dead like Ian, right? <laughs> hey, this is the nicest thing Colin's ever said to me. <laughs> I flew over America with you. Um, yeah, drop dead. <laughs> what if I did? What if I? Like, what if I pulled an E and D on and I died? Like, what would you two do? This episode would get a huge spike. <laughs> How would you get it? I'm recording it. <laughs> I'll go to your house. <laughs> Not like you're gonna threat. You're not going to press stop just as you die. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, got to stop. Gotta Can't stop. make it to my house for about three days. Just recording three days of just, like, static. The correct answer to that is we would re-record without you, and it would be a better episode. Yeah, I hope your wife gives birth we- soon, Colin. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up, Jamie. Well, where there's new life, they always say that someone dies as a baby is born. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that happened. Uh, just one bit we'll also play again. This is similar to so many of these shows. I could just play so many, but, uh, you know, we're, we're an hour and a half into this. We don't want to keep going a little bit longer as I apparently start to choke on my excitement. Robert Darby, this is a, a legend of Hollywood that we recently interviewed for our 50th episode. And, I mean, this was a big deal. This is our first actual interview we got for 007. He was a main villain, a main antagonist in a James Bond film, Licensed to Kill, played Fran Sanchez in that film. And we got him to talk about a very, very interesting meeting he had with a very evil man. Listen to this. In preparation for the role, uh, obviously, given the, the drug cartel connections that Sanchez has in the film and, and the type of character that you yourself, uh, to research and get ready for this role, had to get involved with some quite interesting characters in preparation for, for this film. I mean, what was what was that like? How do you go about finding some Colombian drug lords? I guess you don't just get the phone book and try and dial a few. I guess it's a bit more difficult than that. Actually, you'll find all types in Beverly Hills. <laughs> and, uh, and especially in Hollywood. It was the 80s too, wasn't it? Anything so. you know. <laughs> yeah, end of the 80s. So anyway, so... Yeah, you just question. I heard somebody was a Colombian guy, and I said, really, he was from Medellin, and he, I think through a model, I think through one of these, one of these girls that became a pleasure wife of Adnan Khashoggi or something. There was some, there was, and I heard that she had an ex-boyfriend who was dealing, and uh, he was from Colombia and Medellin, and I says, oh, can I, uh, can I talk to this guy? And he knew then the, uh, the, um, uh, what is it, the uh, architect. A guy that did uh, Escobar's house. Wow! And uh, <laughs> wow! And then, and then, yeah. Then I, then I talked, and then subsequently, in the nineties, uh, in the early, right around then, you know, right early, I, I met Pablo Escobar in in uh, Brazil. Wow! How does that? How does that go? How how do you go into that meeting someone like that, and I guess try and stay calm. <laughs> Well, first off, I didn't know I was meeting him. Wow, okay. <laughs> I was in Brazil doing a film with a director. I was in Manaus, which is, uh, Manaus is northern, in Horaima, part of Brazil. I was doing a film with Mika Kaurismaki, great uh, Finnish director, him and his brother Aki. Aki gets a lot of awards, and Mika's uh, like, uh, he's kind of like uh, commercial and art, a uh, little different. But anyway, he did this film called Amazon, Amazon. And it was about the Garimpos, the gold diggers in the Amazon rainforest. And uh, I wound up playing this character, and we were there for like nine weeks. Uh, and I was in Horaima, in Manaus, where the rubber barons used to be. They had this beautiful, the Hotel Tropical, this amazing uh, place built right in the middle of the jungle. Kind of like a Fitzcarraldo thing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, there I am. And uh, I'm in this big dining room after being in the in the deep jungle in Tepecan and Boa Vista for like a few weeks, where there was just old monkeys, old monkeys and and uh, Finnish crew with uh, high on vodka. You know, <laughs> it was funny. But. So I finally get to civilization, and I'm there in this wonderful banquet hall, and um, a couple of guys approach me, uh, and uh, they the film had just been released in Brazil. A couple of weeks earlier. Wow. And um, it was like very big over there. And they said to me, oh, Robert Dobby, we would love to uh, invite you, our friend. Uh, uh, he knows you're in town. Uh, because there was publicity on it. We'd love to invite you to the villa and have something to drink and maybe meet and talk. I said, oh, 
And he says, oh, no, no matter, but we take you. Uh, and I was, I says, huh? And he says, I said, he's very interesting, man. And, uh, you know, the, he will uh, love to have this and you'll be rewarded for your, you know, whatever. It is. So he, not rewarded, but something that led to, I think I was going to get a Rolex watch. You know what I mean? If I showed up. <laughs> right. That kind of vibe. Right. <laughs> All right. And, and, be, and being, you know, here I was in the rainforest and they said, oh, this is interesting. You know? All right. I'm, I'm up for an experience. So they took me and they drove me for about 45 minutes into the jungle. And then an area, little dirt road kind of thing in the middle of the jungle. And then all of a sudden this area opens up like there's like a, a gate that has trees on it that is hidden. And then another long road that's uh, paved uh, into the jungle. And then this villa in the middle of this area and guards. And then all of a sudden it becomes apparent, you know, uh, that I'm gonna meet somebody interesting. And then I meet this guy, uh, Pablo Escobar. Wow. And he told me some interesting stories. He, he liked the film. He liked the idea of the loyalty is more important <laughs> to me than money. He mentioned that. Uh, he said, and then he mentioned, he says, you know, and I knew this, he goes in my house in Medellin, we have a, uh, in my, I had one of the houses, I had a, a uh, in the middle of the house, there's a track, goes out and in. And we play, I play with my friends, we play Lulu, which is, I guess, a card game there, and we drink Aguadiente. It goes, and every, every few minutes you hear, and we stop, and we watch the gate of the Paso Fino horse. Now, there's a special horse that they, Pasofino horses, you know, half a million dollars a piece based on the gate. Their left goes together. Their right, you know, so there's no jiggly. Very mm -hmm. easy to ride in the mountains and indigenous to that area. Uh, so he told me that would be interesting to have the Pasofino horse to show the appreciation of these beautiful animals. And then he said, uh, I tell you my mentality. When I was young, and I'm a businessman, when I was young, I wanted to buy a discotheque and they didn't let me buy the discotheque. They didn't sell it to me because I was in, they said I was unsavory. So they wouldn't sell me the discotheque. And I offered them double the money, they wouldn't sell it. So what I did was I built a couple of years later the exact replica across the street to a tea. <laughs> and I charged no one any, any fee to come in to drink nothing and put them out of business. Wow. <laughs> Because they didn't sell it to me. This is my mentality. Wow. Anyway, so that was a very interesting uh, peek into his, his a little bit of his psyche. And, and I can definitely imagine then, Robert, that you're glad he liked the film. Um, I mean, I couldn't imagine if he's, <laughs> if he's brought you to his place like that, only for him to be like, I have some problems with the way you played that character. I didn't <laughs> like it. Now, of course, if you, if you listen to our podcast, you would have just heard that, no doubt, in the last episode. But it's still a, a great, great moment and one that's a very, very recent one, but uh, still one that's a very big deal, personal uh, favourite of mine uh, over our 2000s episode. Technically, it fell out of the 2000 episode, Mark, but it's still kind of there, so I'm playing it anyway. Uh, off the podium. A lot of fun off the podium. Our Olympics podcast that I managed to be involved in. Again, another spin-off. We started this up during the Rio Olympics, and it's kind of continued. We've recently brought some interviews with some big-name uh, Olympians across uh, the last few weeks, essentially at the time of releasing this podcast. And before we get into some highlights, got to play the introduction for Off the Podium, of course. So let's hear that now. 
Europe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on a third. He's got it. 9-8-4, a world record for Donovan Bailey and a gold medal. A perfect score. 10.0 for Darcy Cavanici. A perfect score. The first time I've never seen it. Great introduction. Colin did another fantastic job uh, when it came to, to putting that together. And we'll have a new one coming your way soon, of course, for uh, the Winter Olympics leading up to 2018. Uh, again, not going to go too much into detail. Lots of moments throughout this that we would love to be able to play, but we will be doing a 50th episode of Off the Podium, similar to what we did with 007 with more best bits if you want to hear that as well. Uh, but this uh, this came about discussion about Ryan Lochte uh, when he got arrested. Now, just a bit of background here. We're already laughing at this moment and this moment, basically at this point, people... Ryan Lochte was not known that he was lying at this point. So you can maybe see our reaction to it. You'll hear a few of these snippets I should mention. We're going to do a musical montage at the end, which you might have already heard. Uh, but So you'll hear some of these repeated. But this this is this is funny. This is Colin and myself talking about Ryan Lochte getting arrested. The rest is up to you to enjoy right now. All right, before we get to what we watch, other news section. I mean, obviously the big, big, big news of the day, <laughs> which we shouldn't laugh, but it's not hard to laugh at this. Uh, Ryan Lochte was held up at gunpoint. Now, <laughs> this is wrong when we're laughing about it. If this was like Phelps or Bolt, we'd be like, oh my God, we're so concerned. The fact it's Ryan Lochte, no one gives a shit. Um, now... <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned to this off air, Fox Sports News in Australia claimed that they had the world exclusive because somehow they managed to score an interview with Ryan Lochte's mother who told them that he was held up by gunpoint. Now, all these people were quick to come out and confirm it, but then I think Ryan Lochte's coach and somebody else was like, oh, no, no, this didn't happen. Um, but then Lochte did an interview... Uh, and uh, as said, he said, we got pulled over in the taxi and these guys came out with a badge, a police badge, no lights, no... Should I be reading this like Ryan Lochte? No lights, no nothing. (laughs) Just a police badge. And they pulled us over, Lochte said. (laughs) They pulled out their guns. They told the other swimmers to get down on the ground. They got down on the ground. I refused. I was like, we didn't... I told them, if I'm a man during the day, I'm a man at night. (laughs) I'm currently not dating, I said to the police. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't get ready this because I can't take him seriously. But, like, you know, this is funny because a guy got held up and... I mean, he's fine. Like, he didn't die or anything. Like, we're not mourning the death of Ryan Lochte. But, um... I have to say, clearly, clearly, the people who held him up at gunpoint had just watched his reality show and were like, give me my life back! Give me my life back, Ryan Lochte! <laughs> what would Ryan Lochte do? <laughs> just YouTube it, everybody. There's another. If we can hit 30 likes, we will do a live commentary of episode one of what would Ryan Lochte do? <laughs> and 
clearly we never got to 30 likes. I don't think we did. Maybe we did and we just haven't fulfilled our promise. But, um, yeah, the interviews that we've done recently, I mean, I wanted to play snippets of some of them. But, again, you know, I could play all of them if I really wanted to. Zali Stegel, though, was a personal favourite of mine. Uh, as you've, If you least recently heard that interview, you would have heard me gushing and fanboying over her. But um, head to Off the Podium, listen to it. I'm just going to tag these shows. I mean, I'm getting, giving them free advertising as it is. But a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to covering more of those uh, Olympics and other interviews and everything else in between. Now, uh, getting towards the end here, and this is kind of interesting how it's creeping up to the 2000 mark in terms of these shows. Again, I'm not playing every single one of these because we would really be here all day. But um, return to Edge Radio this year in 2017 after a two-year break and a new show uh, called High Noon. Now, before I get a bit of a explanation behind High Noon, let's uh, hear the introduction. This is actually, we'll say, maybe out of all the introductions for any shows that I've ever been on, this could possibly be my favourite introduction. Maybe you can tell me why you think that is. Wellington and the morning turns into afternoon. It's time to saddle up two hours of lunchtime goodness here on Edge Radio. It's high noon. Lunchbox with Ben. Over to you, partner. Such a fun introduction. It's so much fun. I had so much fun actually putting that together as well. And uh, initially, High Noon was a daily show. It was planned as Monday to Friday, 12 to 2 on Edge Radio. I hosted the first Monday. I hosted the second Tuesday. Well, the set first Tuesday, essentially, I guess so that is. But it kind of fizzled away. Uh, some uh, ups and downs, I guess you could say, in life brought you not a lot of uh, content on those other days that week. So it's it's been whittled down already to a Friday, just a 12 to 2. No, we haven't been cancelled, if that's what people were thinking along the way. But uh, it's been a short and sweet period so far of High Noon. We've actually, at the time of recording this, literally only had the six episodes. But uh, just got to play a little bit of a snippet. This was a fun time, actually. Dakota, our former co-host on the brink, he joins me every now and then just as a guest. And uh, we got into a bit of a conversation, it seemed, about sexist air conditioners. Uh, let's, let's hear this. Traffic lights. <laughs> And air conditioning are sexist, comma, and it's all because of us. Now I ask. Air conditioning. Air conditioning. Air conditioning. Air conditioning. How is air conditioning sexist? I'm, he sent me a link, and I'm looking at said link. He sent you a link. Phone. All right, you read that link. Uh, so, Rowan, thank you uh, for messaging us in. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm just I'm intrigued about this. Air conditioning is sexist. Um, I would never knew. As, I'm trying to find out. As a, as a man, how disgusting we were to the other gender for having air conditioning. Uh, we're, I mean, we've got air conditioning in the studio right now. Are we being sexist right now by being cool? I don't, I don't understand. He's reading. Dakota's like literally reading. I can see his lips moving as he's reading this article. Again, professional radio. You think we would look at this, but I guess he did text us just as we were coming back on air. Is there a gist of this, Dakota? Are we going to get some sort of vibe? So I yes. think what I get from this is okay. men are apparently just like supposed to control air temperatures. So we're sexist because we like to not be hot. Yes. Right. That's what I get from this. 
So <laughs> I haven't read the whole thing. <laughs> okay, I'm getting at the okay, moment. okay. So and my phone just restarted itself, so <laughs> I can't actually like my phone. Your phone is, is obviously sexist. A female. Your phone is so, sexist. Yeah, because no, my phone's a feminist, obviously. But okay, so so basically, Rowan, thank you for your. I think that's what the article, weirdly yeah. vague explanation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so basically, if we want to adjust this air conditioner in our studio right now, we're sexist because we want to do that. Yep. Right. Because. We're hot, and we don't want to be hot anymore. Okay. We want to cool down a bit. Yep. We're not allowed to do that. Because we're sexist. Because we're men. Is there a dress on I mean, on we're there? only allowed to do that. But if women are cold, <laughs> and they want to warm up a bit, they're not allowed to, because we're men. So... I really, I really hope that Elise is listening to this on the way into the studio so she can put us in our place when she gets into this yes. studio. She's like, right, boys, it is sexist about these traffic lights. You're wrong. And, we'll and go, well, that air not. conditioner is, is, is sexist. Um, so really, Elise, please, if you're listening, make sure you get into the studio and you, I'll bring the whip out. You can whip Set us into us shape. Straight, Set Elise. us straight mm-hmm. because we are disgusting men and it's yep. not right. Oh, it is terrible. It's a bit warm in here. You want to turn the aircon on? <laughs> no, because I am pro women's rights. And I will never touch an air conditioner again. Ever. That's it. I'm done. I'm done with air conditioners. I am disgusted at the sexism in society Hold today on. of air conditioners. Hold on. Yes. My nan controls the air conditioner at my house. Well, your nan is a is a is a forward thinking female who should be celebrated for her gender pushing boundaries. And then when I tell her it's too hot, she goes, No, it's not. I'm keeping it on. <laughs> Dakota just mouthed... I've had enough. Dakota just mouthed the word that if he had have actually been audible with it, we would have been taken off air. So, uh, good job. Still confused why they're sexist. You have to listen to that episode. Anyway, uh, it basically brings us really full circle now. We're at the Oz Network, and um, this is a new project, very exciting project I've been involved with, with Colin and Noah and Nick as well. Now... Obviously, we've got to play the introduction for you first. We've got two introductions, one for TV, one for film, but this is uh, our film one. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Short and sweet, that's how we like to keep it, on the Oz Network. That's generally what we do. Um, yeah, I like the introduction. It sounds good. The TV one's very similar, except we say TV in, instead of film. So, um, yeah. Anyway, basically, we're trying to expand on what Survivor Oz was and uh, create new content around movies and TV as well as Survivor. So it's only very wet behind the ears. It's still very fresh and uh, still lots of things that are going to be pumping out. Just the, the clip I want to play from you, though, uh, did a very enjoyable episode on uh, Twister, the uh, film, 1996 film, because sadly Bill Paxson passed away in 2017. So we thought we'd do a tribute episode just to go over such an amazing film as Twister, and uh, this is a clip from that episode. Not just That's, for his penis, but you did, that, didn't you? That, that was my fourth backup line for my introduction <laughs> quote at the beginning. I was going to say about marrying my penis. But, I mean, this is this is what makes Melissa so great, is that, like, just throughout this movie, you know, it's just her and Billy are so in love, clearly, because, you know, when they break up, there's no um, sadness at all. Um, but just, like, she's she's dragged along for, for the ride because when, you know, she's in the car, it's like, no, honey, I find this interesting. I want to drag along. Like, <laughs> like later on, she's, like, dying in a shelter and running away. Like, again, the star of this movie is Jamie Gertz. Um, I, I want to know who delivered. I'm going to go back a little bit because there's another line in this scene here before we move on. And I don't know what the phrase even means, but uh, 
Jonas says something about the, your days of sniffing the dirt are over. <laughs> and then you just hear somebody in the background go, better than what you sniff. <laughs> that is, I mean, that is, that's one of these ones where you need to analyze it. It's like, well, what do you sniff? Yeah. <laughs> Put your it's, fingers it's down just, your pants and like, hmm. <laughs> It's funny, you know, I, I always look back as a teenager. There are certain things that, that I would always quote. And even though you, you totally lose the context after a while, but this would be something my brother and I would just say to each other, even if it didn't make sense. So like, we wouldn't have to say to that your days of sniffing the dirt are over. It would just be like, you know, we'd be bantering back and forth. And one of us would just say around, better than what you sniff. And it was, <laughs> it was just a go-to line for us. It really doesn't make a lot of sense. But I just I just love this, this random throw out there, better than what you sniff. And that's the actual soon-to-be tagline for the Oz Network. Uh, the Oz Network, better than what you sniff. Hope you've enjoyed uh, a bit of fun going through some of my personal favorite memories across my 2,000-episode career in radio and podcast. Not sure how many people are going to tune into this, but hey, uh, even if one person listens to it, it will make me feel very happy. If you listened to High Noon the other day, you would have heard us post, uh, or at least play this uh, little eight-minute snippet, uh, Best Bits to Music, and of course this is available separately on the High Noon feed on iTunes, but this is basically a little package that you're going to hear a lot of similar moments. You already heard some of these throughout this episode, but uh, it was a thing we did every year to sort of put the year into highlight mode of the brink. We would uh, basically call it in the mix, 2012 in the mix, 2013 in the mix. Did one uh, for uh, our 11 years in the mix at the end of the at the end of the time on air on edge and uh, we thought we'd put uh, 2,000 shows in the mix one just to kind of a separate one have a bit of fun with this so this is going to close it out for you thank you for your company thanks for going back on memory lane with me here celebrating 2,000 episodes it's been fun people hopefully I can last another 2,000 perhaps we'll see how we go with that but uh, keep tuning into the brink I don't really need to tell you much and uh, you can tune into all our other shows all the other shows you've heard on here whether they're old or new for the most part they're all online just google them you can search for them on iTunes most of them are up there you can subscribe and uh, classic ones such as like Survivor Oz, for example, is still available in archive form online as well. And you can find them if you search hard enough. So uh, there you go. Closing it out, 2,000 episodes in the mix. We'll be back next week in terms of just a general episode of The Brink. But this is a special one for you. You've gotten two episodes basically in one day. Hope you enjoy them. Keep sucking those oranges, Hobart. Enjoy this clip. Good night. I'm going to give these to a subject and they've got to basically come up with a, you know, some words themselves. I'll just, that's, it's not original. We stole it off someone else, but that doesn't matter because we think it's funny and that's all that matters on this program, isn't it? That's right. Why make new things when you can steal them? <laughs> in what? In boot? What's in boot? Boot, it's like, uh, how you say it's uh, like uh, custard. <laughs> of course. How could I not know that? The prize, of course, was... Horseback ride, barbecue, beef, brownies. Worth playing for a baler? <laughs> oh, it's in the Upper North Shore. Lardy darn. Reese, surely you can afford better internet. <laughs> oh no, she said, because she left the sword out of the dragon. But the fuzzy thing spat it out. What? Spat what out? <laughs> oh, her nose. Oh, her nose. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> you sounded like the African music, you know. What are you going to say to her when she gets that? Oh, I don't know. Oh, that she's put on weight. <laughs> <laughs>
I was saying that, like, disguised chubby little sister really have any say in that? Like, that's such a bitch move when she's not... Fat uh, people are allowed to call people fat, Chris, and it's a thing. We're allowed to do it. I think he's more frozen. (laughs) (laughs) I could say that. Bloody let it go. Bloody let it go. (laughs) Ah, Hooters. And what happens at this (laughs) (laughs) point? Come on, Noah. (laughs) You do number one! (laughs) I just love the fact that when he does it, there's like this massive pause. It's not just like they jump on the back. You do number one! It's, It's like, guys... You team number one! Okay, we got five. Oh no, I'm on the net! Oh no! Uh, hey, what's happening? <laughs> I want to see Paula! Oh, what, you gonna, what, sit down on chair? What the <laughs> fuck are you gonna do? <laughs> 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 That's exercise, <laughs> sitting down on multiple chairs. <laughs> Uh, that is, Does is, that mean agreeing to change your relationship status back to single? Or <laughs> you did that with only seven days of breaking up. That is against the law. You're being sued. I'm happy to admit it. I'm not ashamed. Why not? Yeah, why should you be ashamed about yeah. watching my boobies for all this time? Exactly. Yes, I've never been able to say that to a guest before. <laughs> I've never been able to say that to a guest until today. So thank you, thank you. I really appreciate it. And you've surrounded yourself with big. Breasted women, beautiful big breasted women. I see what you did there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what can I say? I've got the best job in the world. We're going to close this out. I think we've done a fairly good uh, debut episode of Euros Vision. It's been fun. We've learnt a lot. And we've discovered that Boggy needs to start singing anytime soon because uh, she's not that golden girl. Uh, <laughs> but we love you, Boggy. Hashtag we love you, Boggy. You expect me to talk, I could do the die! You just killed James Bond! <laughs> Throw up your pants! <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, 007. Uh... Allow me to introduce myself! <laughs> I am Ernst Dabrowa! <laughs> the, the fact that you see this pigeon turn its head and they clearly rewind the footage backwards... <laughs> Play it again, like it's not even a seamless cut there. Like they're just like, she's only winning right now on mine. Go Australia, go you good thing, gold, 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 yes, six gold. (laughs) Suck it, Francis. Why did you have a medal tally? Uh, Ryan Lochte was held up at gunpoint. Now. This is wrong when we're laughing about it. This is like Phelps or Bolt. We're like, oh my God, we're so concerned. The fact it's Ryan Lochte. No one gives a sh- Um, now... <laughs> <laughs> no problem isn't the air conditioner. Turn on the heater. Yeah. It's, if it's cold enough to wear a, a padded jacket, <laughs> you've got an issue, love. You need to wear, put a heater on. A heater sexist. Is it just air conditioners? Yep. I guess heaters are sexist. What about it? fans? Yep. Guess fans are too. Fans are? Guess so. And, I mean, this just, yes, everything about Twister. I mean, if we were talking about Apollo 13, it would just be about my erection for Kevin Bacon. This is going to be my erection for Ellen Hunt and the movie itself. Stop talking about erections, Ben. This is about tornadoes. Um, I just want to quickly point out that not not only did it sound better with fart sounds, it also sounded brilliant when uh, Noah decided to do a Gabinda impersonation. All I want is a sweet, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> it wasn't a Gabinda. It was a um, beach. <laughs> oh, well, whatever. And I just want to read out here what Colin has typed about me. 
Ben has the musical taste of a middle-aged gay man. Um, <laughs> that is legitimately what Colin Hilding thinks about Ben Waterworth. Thank you, Colin. I have a boat. And I just tapped him on the shoulder and went, no, Tim. Josh, well, did this actually happen? I don't think it did. It did in the Tim Diaries. <laughs> Which will be released next year. <laughs> so this is your new book, is it? It's it's an unofficial oh, expose on Tim. I'm loving <laughs> So we're... we're... <laughs> um, I think that was hard. Mr. Dion. Mr. <laughs> Dion. <laughs> 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 His heart didn't go on. What is wrong with you? Uh... Yeah, ditto to what Colin said. You're an idiot. <laughs> Thank you. What? What? Why? What? What? Why? What? Why? Uh, but uh, I think. Do we? Well, technically. <laughs> um, <laughs> shut up. This is Bond. Um, I brought it up. Don't tell me to shut up. Uh, what? I'm talking to myself. <laughs> Ben's gone loopy again. <laughs> I love that we were like perfectly in time for that. Yeah. Like that was, you think that was planned. Three, two, one. Some people stand in the darkness. Yeah. That was the balloon, nothing else. That is a dream come true to be able to sound like a chipmunk on radio. And people are looking at me funny. Are you confident that you can go in and win another Grand Slam? Ah! Ah! Thank you very much, Maria. I'm sure we'll talk to her throughout the show. Well, I, I've got a bit of everything in me. Did you know I have a little bit of Swiss in me? Do you have the music in you? <laughs> <laughs> that's my album coming out. How do you know? Yes. No, he, she's funny, Tali. That's why I changed my name to Brink. Well, let's be honest, Josh. I was in that studio only a few weeks ago. I don't think they've really updated much since 2004. <laughs> um, we can sort of say that now. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're not affiliated with them anymore. We can back them out as much as we want. No, real men don't eat beef stroganoff. <laughs> real men just eat, just grab a cow and have a chunk out of it. So much admiration. I mean, I'll leave the studio right now and women are throwing themselves at me. Have more of my kids. <laughs> it's turned uh-huh. on its head. Oh. The Greek stacks on the mill. Whoa, he's get got, on top of them, boys. Look at them go. He's got deca- decapitated. <laughs> that would have hurt. Wow. Until tomorrow morning, though, Hobart, keep sucking those oranges. Keep sucking those oranges. Keep sucking those oranges. Keep sucking those oranges. Please do keep sucking those oranges. Keep sucking those oranges. Keep sucking those oranges. Keep sucking those oranges. And good night.